Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Lad Cakes, Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> <laughs> Steve came to the door and uh, said, all right, Lad Cakes, and uh, it yeah. felt, felt vaguely sort of, feels like a... Uh, insult that Stephen King would use in a sort of like something like Stand By Me or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Lad Cakes, I, yeah. That I thought was nice. thought it was, supposed to, it was meant to be nice. I think it's the cakes bit. It's, cakes. It's, it's my sensitivity with my weight, but thank oh. you. But don't worry, it's fine, it it's fine. I, I don't care. I know no. it was I know it was intended in a nice way. So I don't really think about the actual meaning of words a lot. <laughs> oh, that explains you know I mean? it. Yeah, that yeah. explains this podcast. Yeah, I just though. like the I like the sounds. It's all sounds, isn't it? <laughs> I like the sounds. Um uh, yeah, anyway, hello. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, we want to start by saying um, thank you to our friends at Musicism. We'll do that a bit first, won't we, I reckon? Yes, you do that now. Yeah. I'm going to get another pen because mine's run out whilst you do that. Yeah, but it's going to be super fun. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, well, welcome to the show. Uh, Musicism is um, our fucking hour. We, our friends, they're our friends. Yeah, I'm just friends. You walking is skewed me i didn't know what's going on um yeah so big shout out shout out to our friends at musicism who um have bestowed all of this wonderful equipment upon us and upon you they will bestow the gift of better musical chops <laughs> uh, for gu- guitarists singers songwriters producers and the like go to musicism.net and you can get uh, a series of online tutorials which will help you become better in all of those areas. It's nine ninety nine a month, or if you're feeling like you want to sort yourself out with a wee little bargain, we can do that for you. Put out put Riot in the in the checkout and in capitals, and you'll get twenty five percent off. Perfect, Not perfect. perfect. Um, um, very quickly, actually, I've picked up the guitar again quite recently, and uh, I started farting about with Musicism's uh, courses and stuff, and they are fucking great. Like, oh, like good. quite genuinely, they are brilliant. So, That's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I have no musical ability whatsoever. Apart Absolutely, from being able to occasionally go. And I don't sure if that counts. And why the um, for the YouTube uh, watchers? Why the you, you did look like Death you were, Core, isn't it? That's Core. it. Um, Renfrey, before we go any further, I think we've got a couple of gigs we might talk about before we go on to the rest of the show. Oh, do you want to do that? Yeah. Well, I just want to mention I saw Max and Igor Cavalera playing um, Rise Beneath the Remains, or so I don't know what they're calling the tour, but basically a load of stuff from Rise and Beneath the Remains, and it was fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. fucking brilliant i want to give a quick shout out to conan who i think i spoke about previously on the show who supported him the main support yeah liverpudlian Liverpudlian. scouse uh like really cool kind of scouse sense of humor and just like way about them that was good and some crushing riffs but oh oh god beneath the remains and arise i i would say they are quite good two of for me the the quartet of maybe the best four run of four metal albums maybe ever so uh, beneath the remains arise uh chaos ad yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's the like there's others obviously metallica would probably give it a good run for its money yeah slayer might do although i think they kind of do drop off on that fourth one a little bit if you're going raining blood um south of heaven um seasons in the abyss and then divine, uh, intervention. divine intervention divine intervention's good but i don't think it's as good as that you know i think you that those first four metallica records are fucking insanely yeah. brilliant i, I think, wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't put slayer in there mm, um i think pantera 
are right there. I think Pantera, Cowboys from Hell, Vulgar Display, Fabian Driven, Great Southern Tranquil. That would be the other one. I, I think, think Gojira have a bit of a shout for that as well. Oh, from from, from Mars, Mars Serious, yeah, mm. and beyond, yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe uh, Mastodon um, with Remission, Leviathan. Uh, Blood Mountain, Crack the Sky. Sky. I would, yes, I would That's totally fucking say that. good. But yeah. I still, I am going to say... Machine Head starting from Supercharger? <laughs> <laughs> well, they came back pretty strong straight I love from Machine that, Head. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they came yeah, back pretty Machine strong Head. straight from that, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, so it's not the worst, I mean, it's a pretty bad shout, but it's not the worst <laughs> shout in the world. Uh, but, mate, I just, you know, you rarely get to hear inner self and you know beneath the remains and dead embryonic cells and yes stuff oh, like that dead embryonic like, cells. oh my fucking god and murder like when they like when they were pulling out the sort of the slightly deeper cuts from that and i have to say as well i saw max and igor doing uh, the return to roots tour now roots is my favorite sepultura records one of my favorite records ever full stop yeah I think um so. and there were bits on that record that they couldn't really do anymore there's quite a lot of kind of um, that kind of groovy, high energy, and also quite weird. I think people forget there's a lot of weird people sort of say, "Oh, Roots is the new metal album." Those are weird shit, like "Look Away," um, and and then you've got really, really fast stuff like "Spit" or "Straight Hate" yeah. or whatever. But I think people kind of forget um, that there is that kind of weird sort of noise element to Roots as well, and they sort of struggled with those more kind of ambient, those kind of weirder bits. I think they kind of struggled to do that, but with Beneath the Remains and Arise, because the recent Soulfly, Cavalera Conspiracy, um, and what else has he done? Killer Be Killed stuff is fucking full-blown thrash. He can still, they can still play that. He's got a great band with him. Mark Rizzo, who's been the guitarist in Soulfly for a long time, is fucking brilliant. And he can do those, like, squealing, cav- like, not Cavalera, um, Andreas Kisser riffs. Mate, it was so good. Cool. It was good. so good. And Igor still hits the drums, you know, harder than John Lennon hits his wife. Right? It, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, okay. Hit yeah. his wife. Sorry. He doesn't hit her anymore. <laughs> that, it, it was yeah. the fact that it was in the present tense and not <laughs> yeah. the past tense, which I was uh, uh, furious about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Really good. Excellent. Um uh, I went to see Devon fucking Townsend. No reason. So I was just so fucking knackered. To, I, I was going to go to that and I was so tired. I had so like such a mad week in the run up to it. I just couldn't, I just couldn't make myself get myself down there. I'm gutted. You missed a hell of a show. I know. Um, so last time Devon was at the Roundhouse was for the Retinal Circus, which has kind of gone down in history as one of the most bonkers uh, sets ever. You know, mm. there was like seven foot alien vaginas where Siltoid was birthed on stage and all that sort of thing. And it was narrated by Steve Vai mm-hmm. and uh, Jed Simon came out from Strapping Young Lad. Well, Jed Simon is the guitarist, isn't it? I'm, I'm yeah. not making a dick of myself there. Good. Uh, he came out and did uh, a couple of Strapping Young Lad songs. And, and you know, it's, it was like a three hour extravaganza, that Retinal right Circus show. And this one was actually far less, I, I'm licking a line from my Metal Hammer review, it was far less of a spectacle but just a spectacular. Mm. Come on. It's fucking it's great. Yeah, it's pretty good though. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of material from Empath. It, he, it, it, was, it was the night. I mean, here in the UK, we've just had um, a stunningly awful election process where um, the same 
shits who have been fucking up this country for the last what nine years or something like that yeah they'll sort it out they'll sort it out it's fine um but it was on election night mm. and devon came out and he sort of said look i know this is a really weird night for this country but like just come with me to this faraway island, blah de blah de blah, and like like the whole castaway stuff that's happening with yeah. Empath and all that kind of thing, and take take a two hour vacation with me, and it was a perfect way to just forget about all the shit that was happening and just you know be a little bit anxious about what was happening. He started with like Borderlands, the eleven minute like really weird umpa lumpery type that's song, bold. yeah, bold, isn't it? Yeah, and I was a bit like really, but um, live. The more sort of esoteric, weirder material on Empath, the second half, broadly, yeah, um, really came across really well. You know, he did Why as well, the the, the song which basically sounds like a musical number, mm-hmm. and it sounded absolutely amazing. His band were phenomenal. There were 10 musicians in total, and there was like three backing singers and a couple of guitarists and someone on what I'm going to vaguely call laptop and electronics and stuff like that. I've heard some stuff about this band. Oh, go on. I'm not sure if I should say though. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm a bit worried about what you're going to say now. No, 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 don't be worried. I've heard, Mm. I don't want to sort of start any sort of room. I've heard that Devin feels like he could get better. He's been wanting to get better musicians. Okay. I've heard he put a lot of his own money into this show and a lot of it went on the people he was playing with. That's that, all I'm going to say because he said he wanted the absolute, the very, 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 very best session musicians in the world. That would not surprise me at all. Right, okay. Um, and I think that's okay to say that. Okay, I just wanted to make it sound like I was slagging off anyone who was in the... the no, and DTP. No, no, no. I mean, the DTP musicians are fantastic, but with all due respect to the DTP musicians, from what I have seen of them, I don't think they could have done some of the stuff that was happening in this show. Um, the drummer, Morgan... Freeman? <laughs> I can't remember his surname. I apologise, but he's the drummer for the Casualties of Cool Sessions. And oh, okay, Devin, cool. Devin has actually said in the past that he is basically the best drummer he's ever worked with. Wow. Which when you consider, you know... Oh, fucking Gene Hoagland. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, working with Gene Hoagland from uh, Strapping Young Lad. It's to do with the fact that, like, he can do a little bit of everything and it's sort of playing... It's, it's, I think the hard thing with drumming is playing quietly. And that's something that like a lot of drummers can't do. Mm. Um, And he, he was able to do all that stuff. And there was a really weird drum solo bit in the middle of, um, and I'm not a fan of drum solos usually, but um, this was so odd and weird. Like Devin kept bringing stuff out for him to like hit like a fan, which he just, a fan? Distro- a fan. No, 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 no. Not a, not a human being fan. Mm. A fan is so a Josh Homme. <laughs> Is it a swirly, swirly thing? Um, and uh, I think a kettle at one point. And it was sort of so bizarre that it kept me entertained, even though it was a drum solo. And that very rarely happens. Yeah. Um, there was a mid-period bit where I think casual fans could sort of uh, maybe floated away a little bit. But there were four songs from Key in a row. Um, the oh, I think it came out in 2009, the first DTP record, mm. which is a really interesting sort of country-infused um, mellow record. I remember listening to a commentary Devin did on it um, when, and, and I think he, I, I believe he had a newborn baby at the time or something like that, but for whatever reason, he was writing the m- music at night 
and all of the music because he was writing at night he was trying not to wake people it everything sounds a little bit like muted and quiet on that record mm. and it has a very unique kind of sensibility that album and it was really interesting seeing that material which is very rarely played it was like ghost no not ghost coast gatto uh do others um and then you know he finished with like genesis uh which just sounded massive i mean th- this band that that record is so sonically vast and massive yeah, yeah. it sounds like a universe colliding mm. in on itself mm. and the fact that they managed to recreate it with there may have been the odd backing track here and there but but you know there was a laptop on stage so quite possibly but for the main part, it really felt like they were playing it, you know, which a lot of his contemporaries, you cannot say that. Definitely of. not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Sounds good. Yeah. Kind um, of annoyed I didn't go. I mean, I feel like I should really have just dragged my ass out, but I was, I was so knackered, which we'll get to in a minute. I do. I do. I, I know I've wanked on about There's a lot to say. I, I do need to talk about Spirits Will Collide, which he go finished the main set with yeah. um, acoustic rendition with uh, the backing singers. And Che, uh, che from... Um, casualties of cool was there as well mm. and she was doing some of the annika van gensberg parts which is quite cool because she's got yeah. a far more sultry sort of bluesy voice um and they finished with um a cover of disco inferno <laughs> and kingdom which sounded fucking huge that's Great. such a good song kingdom isn't it yeah um as soon as i left i put epic loud on i bet you've jumped a few places in your top 20 albums of the year as well isn't it don't spoil that it's out oh sorry epic cloud sorry i was in the empire sorry i was a um, miles away then because i was thinking when you said you saw pup and they were quite high and you'd just put devon i wondered if empath had moved up your i think i i haven't actually thought about it but i imagine yeah i think it probably has okay honest, good all right well this week oh before we do one more one last thing this is our last show before we do a sort of break for christmas so renfrey i've got i'm going to do this on camera and on the on the show i've got you a, pre- a present what yeah i've got you a present close your eyes because you know what i didn't wrap it up because I well, the last time someone told me to close my eyes before they gave me a present. I got you something which I thought, I know you're a serious <gasps> music fan. Oh my God. So I got you, um, I got you the Bross uh, <laughs> Christmas box. Oh, wow. And it is an original pressing as well. Thank you so much. It contains push Christmas disc, uh, picture disc, Christmas interview cassette, including yeah, Silent cassette. Night. Yeah. So. Exclusive Bross Christmas card mm. and a limited edition portrait print. So I know you like your music. So I thought... <laughs> Bros, yeah, uh, wow. we because we spoke about them quite a lot in Hello. over the year. That's then, going up on my wall. Yeah, he's Hello. even got the one who no one speaks about anymore. as <laughs> well. <laughs> the other one who no one with no name. Oh, but, it's uh, been signed. Been signed as well. Yeah, by me and Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and sell it for three hundred dollars on uh, on eBay. Wow, I, I I feel awful. I've not. I didn't realize this that was going to happen. So oh, that's I, all right. I, I, it's oh just, God, you know, just proof of um, what a nice guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's for me and Emily. Emily actually found it, and she was like, "We have to get Rembrandt." So that's lovely. Yeah. Um, that good. <laughs> Where am I going to put that? I wonder. Well, with all your other vinyl, I would Ooh, imagine. Hold on, Bros Live, the big push tour. SRP, don't know what SRP means, 999 out now on video. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. It's so, got all the songs on it. You know, I mean, I didn't get you that. You can get that yourself. But... I can't afford it. <laughs> wow. Anyway, he's broken it already. What an no, answer. No, I haven't. Okay, Thank you very much. No worries, mate. Enjoy that. Um, down, the Bros Christmas box is available. <laughs> um, maybe. I doubt it is available. <laughs> it is. 
It's probably not. Well, if you um, want, if you want mine, I've got one going. Okay. Oh, come on. Um, but uh, anyway, so this week, as it is the last sort of the last show of the year, uh, we have decided to not just. Really. No, it's not really, but it's all this. Um, but it's not. We have decided to do a, a pure Q and A session. I don't know if it'll be pure. Well, it will be just nothing. We're not doing anything else, are we? Apart from me giving you a bross box set. It won't be pure. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so we're doing a Q and A. We went on the on our Facebook page. We went over to our Twitter and said, "Do you want to ask us any questions?" And you actually have good, quite a lot of questions. Turns out people want to ask us shit. I'm mad, Danny. Maybe we should add that into the show every week. Make the show five hours long every week. <laughs> we uh, No. Let's just um, do it occasionally, I think. But we'll try and get through as many of them as we possibly can because we don't really do this. I don't think we ever have done this, apart, save from sort of a 10-minute start of the last live show. Well, yeah, we did a very quick one for the one-year one anniversary mm. show. But uh, apart from Not that. enough, really. Um, anyway... Uh, let's start. I'm going to start with this one, Renfrew, if you don't mind, from Tom Wilson. I think this will give this will be a good sort of entry into sort of the, a, a, a good kicking off point. I think. Um, what is a typical day for you both? Do you both work full time in the industry? And if not, is that your goal, or is the journalism stroke podcast stuff more of a passion project? As I've heard you talk about some past employment situations, but if it's not rude, I'd like to know more. Above all, though, a sincere thanks. Blah blah blah. blah. I'm not going to read that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Blah. Thanks, mate. We well, you said some nice stuff, and I appreciate Thank you. that. Tom, a uh, typical day. Renfrey, do you have a typical day? Nope. Okay. <laughs> would you like to know my typical day? Well, actually, I can. I can probably do a rough approximation yeah, of on. what would roughly be a typical day. And then so, we'll get to the other stuff. After um, I'm a bit of a night owl, so I might wake up at like nine thirty, ten. Uh, get myself a coffee. Yeah. Um. Oh, I work late, my friend. Don't sure you worry. Um. And then I get myself a coffee and like rub the sleep out of my eyes. And then I don't know if I'm doing riot act stuff, it'll be um, like sometimes I edit the show generally, or yeah. I might look out for like what albums are coming out because I tend to put the album review stuff together. There's lots of boring admin admini bits and pieces behind the scenes, like the website stuff and all that kind of thing. And I do the majority of that because you have an actual job. I do, yeah. I do. <laughs> um, and I kind of um, took this on. I don't know. I sort of I sort of came to you with this project, didn't I? So I mm. suppose I and I had the time to do it. So I sort of do all those bits and pieces. And then if there's any freelance opportunities, I'll try and do those. And then uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there is, there isn't a typical day for me at all, to right. be totally honest with you. I've got a fairly typical routine that I stick to mm. because of where I have to be in certain times. Actually, um, David S. Grop replied to that and said, it seems like I don't want to talk about my job, which is not actually true. Yeah. It's just it's never really come up before. And I don't mind. And if, if that has come across, well, I'll, I'll talk about it. So my alarm goes off at uh, 10 to 6 in the morning. Never been up at that time. <laughs> and I usually, probably three times a week, I'll go to the gym for half an hour. At about six o'clock. Never heard of that before either. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that is what I want to do because you get to, I'm nearly 40 and I need, I basically have to, just to, to look like this, I have to do that. Um, so imagine if I did, oh God. Um, so anyway, so I go to the gym for about half an hour uh, and that is one of the few times where I get a chance to usually listen to music that I haven't heard. That kind ah. of early, early you know, and if I don't, then bloody Good Morning Britain goes on. And I just listen to Piers Morgan like shuffling his neck about for an hour, half an hour or so. Do you get up and like is like really really heavy shit the first thing you put on? Um, no, not always. I usually have to. Um, oh, 
I was going to use the wrong word then. I usually have to uh, gear myself up for that. Mm. So, well, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I think it depends what I'm listening to, what, what I've got to do. Like, yeah. Uh, so there are sort of variables to this, but basically I will get up and probably try and listen to something that I've not listened to while I'm in the gym. And I usually do kind of, you know, half an hour of cardio. That would surprise me. I would have thought you'd have some sort of um, pumping. No, no, because <laughs> no, because at that time in the morning, you don't really, I normally do like half an hour on an exercise bike or on a cross trainer at like 10 past six in the morning. Paints a picture. Quite, quite lightly because you don't wearing really want to. No, just wearing shorts and a, a t-shirt. Like, you know. Just wanted um, to paint the image. Go back, have a shower, get my shit together, feed bonjour, get out the door. Um, and get the half past seven train from Charlton into London Bridge. Where's your where gym? Work. Around the corner. My gym is, is literally around the... You know where the Starbucks is? This is going to be boring for everyone. You know where the Starbucks is? <laughs> yes. On the corner there? Yes. It's next door to that. Hey. Yeah. So, um, but actually, I'm a member of two gyms, actually, because I go to the gym at lunch as well. Fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I go into work, and I normally... I start work at half eight. Uh, I normally get into work about 10 past, quarter past eight, and I'm the first person in, which means I get 20 minutes, and that's when I do play something really, really fucking heavy. Oh. When I've got the office to myself, mm. I will play something really, really heavy. And then I do my job. Basically, I work for an events company, and we do, we do, uh, we make programs for events that are linked with charities. That's what I do. And, um, through selling the programs, we make money, and I'm. Put, you think you're mother together. fucking Teresa? I don't then. think I'm fucking mother <laughs> Teresa, but it's a re- but it's a cool job because we get to go to the Brits, we get to go to like Teenage Cancer Trust concerts, yes, the Wimbledon, which is why we've covered some of those bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah, show. yeah. So I get to do that as part of my job, and it's not obviously you know it's not the type of music that we cover that much on here, and it's not the sort of thing I do. But you know, it gets take me, that gets me out of the house, gets me to see take that and doves yeah. and stuff like that. Go yeah. to the Brits, um, go to some sporting events. Um, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a cool. It's a it's a cool thing to do, and it's a fun little office. Uh, they are really anal about what music you can play, which is is not guitar music. Like the guy sits opposite me, likes just likes Elton John and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson. That's it. The guy sits the other side Could of me, worse. just likes Pearl Jam and Dodgy and the Blue Tones Ooh. and <laughs> and Coldplay. Started the guy, so well. The guy sits behind me, just likes eighties funk and soul. So and okay. I have and I have the Spotify. So trying to get all three of them to find something that all three of them like. Oh God! Trust yeah. me, it's not Black Midi. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but weirdly, they all like Idols. Ah. It's weird, isn't it? Because they've yeah. been in the news, I guess. But I've yeah, so I'll, Pearl Jam yeah. as well. So I'll him. I'll um I'll do that for a bit. Then we usually go to the gym at lunch. Well, not even usually. I do. I go like five times a week at lunchtime. I go to the gym. Is this question going to be the entire podcast? It's fucking going on. Yeah, I know. And then I come home uh, and either I do this or I go and do something for Metal Hammer or I do the other podcast that I do, uh, the We Are the Road Crew, which you listen to. It's nice. Um. Yeah, it's not as good as this. <laughs> it's, it's, well, <laughs> what is? And um, and then occasionally, or I go to a gig, or you know, occasionally I might get a nice evening where I can just stay in and watch the football, or my girlfriend comes around and I can watch Succession. Um, she has to be here for you to watch Succession. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Crown. We started watching the Crown. Oh yeah. Uh, the new one or... with Olivia Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite good. You saw the Foy one, right? Nah. 
You, why didn't you see the Claire Foy one? Because I hadn't watched it and she wanted to carry on watching the next one. So I just was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll watch this. It's not like, you know, I need, you don't need to. You just go, oh, yeah, you could, you could pick that up from anywhere when it's about the Queen. <laughs> I Everyone know knows the about the Queen. Well, you know enough to kind of be able to go, oh, I kind of know what's going on here. Yeah, you do. Have I, I can't remember if I said this on the show before, but I went to drama school with Claire Foy. She was in uh, the post-grad year when I was in the third year. So, And she is a lovely human being oh, that's good she's yeah. absolutely lovely and lovely. well done claire for you because she's doing really fucking well <laughs> <doing all> right. <laughs> um, but she's fantastic so. in terms of the i think the other question about <clears throat> turning it into something else well renfrew I mean, I'll, I'll let you answer that what was the other question what well do you see foresee a time to build this into i think someone else has asked a similar thing about the future of what you want to do with this podcast with right act okay well we i mean we uh, um it's up to you mate you say whatever you need to say we there's certainly a drive to try and podcasting is still quite a new-ish medium in the grand scheme of things mm. i know there'll be people who'll be like is that 15 years old i don't care it's fairly new in the grand scheme of things so i think a lot of people are still just and apart from like the top 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 people mm. people like trying to figure out how to make it work and monetize it and stuff like that and we've been involved in projects in the past that have totally fucked that up mm-hmm. and we've um with riot act we're trying to figure out a way to uh make everyone happy and uh which is always a bad thing to try and do mm. and sort of be able to make enough money to sort of survive um from it um but uh I don't really like using the terms like brand or anything like that, but that's always what people say, isn't it? You know. Yeah. We want. I mean, from my, well, from my perspective, I'm and I, you know, I, I I'm I'm pretty happy in with my lot. If I'm being perfectly honest, yeah. I think I've we have slightly different. Yeah, I and brands. and part of that is because you know, I'm fairly financially comfortable. Um, uh, you know, and also, and, and that, which is obviously nice. And also, I um, I've been involved with a few things before mm. that have <laughs> promised a lot and delivered very little. Do you know what I mean? So, which is always something we've been very wary of. Yeah, not I mean, doing. I it's weird this because I I mean I think I said to you, this to you before. Like I sometimes wonder if people are that invested in the show, and it's not really because I don't think the show is good. I think the show is this is. I honestly think this is the best show that I've been involved in, in any mm. regard. Right. But I don't think we um, shout from the rooftops about how, hey, you're part of, you know, team rock, but hashtag team rock belong. That was a thing, wasn't it? Or mm. you're the smartest audience in rock. You're the, you know, like we're going to fucking take back the airways and all that shit. And I've never wanted to do that. I find that quite, I think it's all quite very, an obnoxious thing to do. It's quite condescending as well. Yeah, I think. it is. Yeah. And, it, and, and all it means is, please go and do our job of promoting us for people which you know yeah is is nice but i mean i I just i don't want people to feel like if they don't listen to this they're betraying Scum. they're betraying yeah. us yeah do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to agree with every single thing we say do you know what i mean i'm not sort of like oh i wish i worked in the music industry all the time because i had that with team rock yeah. and it was it turned out to be a fucking nightmare yeah you know yeah, i got yeah. that dream job when i got that breakfast show on team rock and it was like what so for three my job now and I can, I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to work in a shop. I don't have to go and do any other thing. I can just go in in the morning and for three hours I play records. And then in the afternoon, if Metal Hammer want me to go and interview someone, I can go and do that and get paid on top of that as well. Yeah. And you're, t- and you know, and they threw a, 
absurd amount. I mean, that was the most money I'd ever been earning. And it was for this apparent dream job. Mm. And it turned out to be a disaster, a complete disaster. Unfortunately, the reality of these things, I mean, you know, working at the independent obviously seemed, seemed like a dream job in a lot of ways on the outside. And there were a lot of things, mainly the personnel and the people that made it a fucking shit show. And it was um, really difficult. And um, it was a constant sort of battle to get things on there, even when things were doing very well. And it was very difficult. So I suppose mm. in some ways we've both been like somewhat burned by the music industry. Yeah. But I don't want to like... But I, yeah, no one owes... No one fucking no one owes, owes us anything. anything. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like No one owes anybody goes. anything. No one owes... You don't owe... If, if you ever get to... If you ever feel like you are, I don't know, whoever it is, you know, you, you don't fucking owe any of us anything. I would rather people spend their money on going out and buying Her Name Is Khaled's record on vinyl than fucking Gabriel. And I know you're probably going to be like, don't say that. But ultimately, yes. <laughs> that, but ultimately, like, if you can do both, that's that would be great. But, you know, I don't want those, the people listening are not the people who should be giving us money. I think you can, you can get sponsors. You can get, if you're good enough, mm. people, if you're good enough and then you go appeal to enough people, unfortunately, rock music, guitar music, which I'm sure we'll talk about throughout this show, and we certainly will when we do the albums of the decade, it's dipping to kind of dangerously niche levels. Mm. And I think that's what's making it very, very different, or very, very <laughs> difficult for people to actually go, there's a committed audience here that mm. we want to invest in and i think that's quite difficult and you know i think it's it's easy to we could we could fudge the numbers couldn't we you know <laughs> people have done that before um, um <laughs> you know uh we could we could fudge the number we could but again like it it, it will come it will come back and bite you on the ass uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I, this this sounds like I'm blowing smoke up our collective asses, but yeah, I think we have a level of, of integrity where we wouldn't do that. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, uh, our numbers are growing all the time. Well, that's we actually, have... somebody asked about the, the numbers as well. So we might as well... Um, do you want to jump onto that? Okay. Jump onto that. Let's see if you, you keep on talking. I'll see if I can find it. Hold on. Um, our numbers have grown um, and are continue to grow steadily. Um, so I do believe there is an audience out there for it and we are enormously close to getting to that. There's a magical number which people say you need to get to before sponsors will properly pay attention. Yeah, it's Dan Morgan says, how many listeners do you have on average a week? I mean, I don't actually know, but I do look at our chart placing in on iTunes uh, mm. now and again. Mm. And we appear to be at this point, as we sit and for the last month or so, we appear to be the highest sort of independent UK based sort of rock and metal podcast, mm. uh, rock metal guitar based podcast than the others. I mean, you probably know that you can probably think of a few others off the top of your head, but we appear to be not really. Um, well, the metal home with the metal home podcast. Oh yeah. Um, are we higher than them though? Yep. Oh, usually. Yeah. The other one we are. <laughs> uh, so that's, I you think, know, and a few others like the Krang podcast would dip up and go down and stuff like Dan Picard's one, Matt's one, you know, they kind of drop in and out, but we seem yeah. to be on a sort of consistently, usually, you know, above them. I, I, I don't know. I mean, th that's all I know though. I don't really look at the stats and stuff. I was always a bit like, I was always on the radio. People go, do you want to know how many people listen? And I was like, not really. Cause mm. if it's loads, I'll go, Oh my God, it's loads. And if it's no one, I'll go, Oh no, it's lo no one. And it will, it will sort of affect you. Mm. So I tried to just go, Let's just imagine that it's that literally no one is listening. 
and that's why you say some of the things that you do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, it's um, it is actually a little bit of a difficult question to answer because you have so many different platforms that we go out on now, including like YouTube, Spotify, platforms, SoundCloud. Like. No need. Uh, <laughs> SoundCloud and blah blah blah. So and then you need to. It, there needs to be a way that you can figure out if someone, for example, listens to the show on Spotify and then watches the YouTube one as well, that would be one listener, but they've listened to it twice, if that makes sense. Yeah. And finding out those exact numbers is actually far more difficult than I imagined it would be annoyingly. I don't really mind. I don't really mind saying that in total in November, we got just shy of 30,000 streams across all platforms. It's quite good though, isn't it? Um, when you say it like that, it sounds like quite a lot. Which is not bad. Um, we do, I mean, we are aiming to get, um, we are adding to, aiming to get another 10,000 onto that, basically. That's sort of the rough aim. Yeah. Um, that'd be nice. But, um, so, you know, my guess radio it's that it's that without wanting to sound like a businessman, it's that radio ed's arcade fire indie market that is proving a tough nut to crack, I think. Uh, it's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. <laughs> they don't um, want, they don't want us with our Pantera vinyl. <laughs> well, that's the same thing as it's always been. I mean, this is what I yeah. encountered at the independent as well, you know, like it's a weird thing with stats. I remember I might have said this before, but I remember I, I streamed the did an exclusive stream of the Nails album, you know. Mm. And um, they were fucking furious about it. And it, it was the most popular um, culture article, either culture or music article on The Independent that month. Mm. It's like, how can you be furious about this? Mm. You know, it got like 30 I mean, we, we got, I mean, we got the Ridiculous. Foles, when we got the, sent the Foles album, now I know Tommy does Foles, uh, <clears throat> uh, who sent it through as a kind of a mate of mine. And he was like, oh, when you did he sort of said to me you know do you want the, a day to remember album and i went no I don't, not really no and he was like oh well, well i mean what else have i got and i was like foals i loved it. yeah definitely want to do foals and getting that he's like oh you did foals and elbow on the same week and i was like yeah it's this is not meant to be you know i think yeah i think cause of, i think because of where we've come from people expect us to do what we've always done and we will continue to do what we've always done because we do both love that yeah, kind of music yeah. mm. um, as much as I moan about metal at the moment. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do. I, I, I moan about metal because I fucking love it and I want it to be better. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think you just need to keep hammering at that indie nut, let's yeah, say. I think so, yeah. Um, and we probably need to be slightly nicer to some of the indie bands as well. Bar the National, I feel like we've pissed on all of them. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I was pretty nice about the Foles album. I thought that album was good. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and there's been a couple of other. I think we need to get some of the smaller ones. It's probably the best thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a different sort of question. Off my conversation. Um, yeah, actually, this is another guy. I said, weigh yourself in a few... Um, this is Jez... Chris, us Wood, where do you see yourselves in a few years? Is it going to be just the podcast or have you other areas of media and things like the live show formats that you want to explore? Um, Obviously, with the YouTube and the quiz, you've already started doing that. Just keen to find out if there's an ambition outside of what you've already done. I mean, again, I'm very much like, I, I sort of believe that nailing a podcast being a podcast is what you should do first. Like, mm. I, that's just... You know, I think, again, we have slightly different views on that. I think I would like to make sure the podcast is perfect mm. before sort of worrying about other extraneous things. And, you know, um, I want it to be seen as a sort of really, as a cool, credible 
boundaryless music podcast. Mm-hmm. We definitely don't want to run before we can walk. And there are like sometimes there's been elements that we've tried to introduce, which, um, you know, I mean, none of this. We don't ever talk about any of this because it doesn't really need to be said. But, you know, bonus episode. Uh, sometimes there's been stuff which has been really difficult to do. Like doing the YouTube stuff initially was a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was got it's got better. It's still a bit of a pain, but we're kind of getting there with it and stuff. Um, I mean, in terms I, I would I would love to be able to do um, a live show two or three times a year maybe eventually Mm. but um we have to make sure that there's enough demand for it and enough time uh we can talk about this briefly can't we without getting too negative about it but we quite recently did the uh quiz um live because you guys were so enthusiastic about the first quiz that we did last year which wasn't to an audience we were very buoyed by the response to that first quiz and everyone wanted to have it as like a um a, a thing that they could go to and, and see it being filmed and and, and recorded and um we, we i don't want to i certainly don't want to give the impression i mean the, the quiz is going to be going out this time next week and you should listen to it because it will be fucking great it's the thing is, um, well, yeah if you like mock the week uh they sit there for three hours and they prepare everything yeah um, so, when, so what you basically got was a live record of something and it means that you get a kind of uned, an, an, an unedited if you'd got the unedited version of last year's quiz i think you would have struggled you would have been like oh this is a right <laughs> yeah. old slog but it's and you know and i've been to see you know quiz shows and um panel shows and stuff recorded yeah. before and they keep you in there for a long time three and a three lot and a half it, hours yeah. a lot of it a lot of it is absolute rubbish right and these are professional comedians so you know not everything comes off and the energy levels do rise and fall and drop and sap and stuff but it's all in the edit of what they they get at the end that's kind of the most important exactly yeah um i think i think we didn't consider like tv recordings will bring in audiences for free because effectively as an audience member you're doing the tv companies a favor because you're giving them a laughter track a live laughter track um we had to charge money for the quiz we didn't charge it wasn't a silly amount it was 10 quid plus like a small fee i think it was about 11 pound 30 11 pound 40 in the end so it's not a disgusting amount of money or anything like that but we had to charge money for people for what is a format which has long dips of not much hilarity because of the, just because of the nature of it and then the manner that it has to go together and me and steve had a big conversation on the phone about it afterwards and we weren't sure if we could continue with that format in that way i don't think the quiz is going to go away i just I, I, you don't think that do you no, no no i don't think that i think it's I just, like i think it's it's a it's a it's a cool little extra thing to do but ultimately maybe you will never be able to hear it recorded again i think we we don't we don't want to charge people money for something that is is difficult difficult to sit through which is really like a really long thing and and to be fair like no one complained yeah this this is all this is all us i did the most complaining yeah this is all this is all (laughs) us being like uber harsh on ourselves but we do that with pretty much everything we do we have loads of discussions and talks whether in person or on the phone about like are we doing too much are we doing too little and we we discuss the show a lot because we we are both very passionate about it so and we want to make it as good as possible and as a result we are our harshest critics so um i think we try to get in there before anyone else will really mm. um um here's one from brady deep rose 
Oh. From the conjurers, oh, yeah. uh, from the cursing of the metal hands. He mm. says, why is Renfrey so cruel? Someone else sort of asked this, Renfrey. Mm. What's your beef with Brady, really? Because I was always like, oh, there's that funny little kid from Conjurer. But from day one, pretty much, on this podcast, <laughs> you've just mugged him off. I don't know why well, that is. Well, Brady. Really. It's not uh, me, by the way. It's not me. Life is cruel, you know, so uh, you just have to deal with it, don't you? Um it's Christmas time, so I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna be nice for once. Really, the sort of uh, Brady bullshit um, came from um, Brady being a ridiculously nice man, and I just thought it was quite funny to claim that he wasn't, and he was an abhorrent little shit. It's satire. It's satire. It's cracking. I'm being bawdy, Lynn. There we go. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, no, I mean, yeah, in the spirit of Christmas, uh, Brady is a lovely chap indeed. I actually, I've, I can't remember if I've told you this story, but um, at the HMAs this year, uh, Heavy Music Awards, Brady, um, this is the kind of nice guy Brady is. Brady's plus one was his mum. And uh, he introduced me to his mum as this is the guy who calls me a cunt every week on his podcast. And I felt fucking terrible. Uh, and yeah, um, his mum sees very nice and Brady's very <laughs> nice. And I just feel ter- I felt terrible about the whole thing. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that, that's it, really. <laughs> Here's a good question. This is from Danny Randon. Has your album of the year ever changed retrospectively to a record that didn't even make the top 10 or 20 the first time around? I think that's a really good question. And I think it's something which may come up when we do. Someone actually did ask whether or not, I mean, just to sort of hammer this home, we're going to be straight after this starting recording our top 20 records of the decade although mm. i have a top 30 <laughs> i have a top 40 <laughs> yeah um and um and there was one on there that i was like oh shit that means that this is my favorite record of yeah. 2000 and i think 2012 and yet uh, it was about number 12 13 in yeah. my list of the year in 2012 mm. so i mean unfortunately i don't want to do a spoiler so i can't tell you what it mm, was mm, mm, but mm. yeah i think there's probably a whole bunch of times when it, records yeah. stick with you that maybe you didn't think they were gonna i don't know if you've got any it, absolutely examples off the top of your head uh well uh, the only things that are in my mind at the moment are all the top 20 albums of the decade stuff that we've been doing because i've been playing those albums over and over again again at the moment but yeah there un- undoubtedly there have been records even the number one spot where i've gone oh actually that record was far far better than whatever i put into it so yeah yeah. even going like 20 deep though because that's a pretty big jump to go from being like i hadn't really but it but it'll be in a lot of cases it will be record a record that i missed for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and then i don't know if it's a record that came out in 2014 i don't hear it until 20 15 in february or whatever and i'm like i mean well actually fuck it let's there's one example um holy fawn last year um we like the moment we came back from christmas i just i just sort of said to you we're covering this album it came out last year technically but we're covering it no one did anything on it blah 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 um and that album i don't know if it would have been my number one last year but it would have been in my top three yeah well i think it would have been in my top three probably last year as well yeah but we well top top definitely top five yeah well um alex fitzpatrick actually from holy raw told me about it when we were recording the holy raw special last year Mm. and that was probably this time last year 17th 18th of december yeah so so you know it was far we'd already done albums of the year and all that kind of thing and it's all i listened to all christmas pretty much 
It's a good uh, album, that. Yeah. It's a good album. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've well, got this to listen to, the old Bros. Thank you, fuck. Yeah, Thank yeah, fuck for that. that. Yeah, yeah, really excited. Um, Christopher Michael Oven Snedden, Ovens Snedden says, what is the artist or album that causes or has caused the widest difference in opinion between Stephen Renfrey? That's you and I, Renfrey. That's us two that he's talking about. Oh, thanks for that reminder. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I can't really think of one. I think maybe uh, one that drops off, off the top of my head, or one that I know you love, and one that I really wasn't fussed about at all, is the Foxing record. Mm. which um i am absolutely kind of i don't i don't hate it i'm just completely like nonplussed by it I think right i think it's absolutely totally forgettable to be honest right okay and that is your favorite album of last year it was indeed yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's I'd- pretty that's quite that's quite a big one i mean i think i mean the the most obvious one to me is architects really but then i feel like i have that with the rest of the record industry the the rest of the music industry really because there's very few people who don't like architects for some reason um although lots of bands who don't like architects so it turns out because the amount of messages i got from bands after actually sort of coming out if you will and saying (laughs) i don't like architects uh was insane uh oh god yeah um but um uh yeah foxing i think is a good one i I actually i mean i went to see mono over the weekend uh i think i wouldn't like i don't you know i don't think you you like hate mono or dislike it listen to one album yeah 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 sure i guess but i was so i kind of i put on the uh riot act uh instagram yeah i'm an idiot yeah Yeah, but you're an idiot yeah Mm. uh because uh they they are very loud and they're very very dynamic especially live um but um yeah i can't think of like bar i don't know king 810 yeah nah I don't think I like him that much for it to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's why I said it in a great yeah, way. You know, I don't know. But like you, you love architects, don't you? I do love architects. And yeah. I have, I'm completely meh on them. I You're just, completely bleh on them. That's uh, what Sam does. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Good in it. No. Um, Mike D, if you could eliminate one band each from existence, their music and their subsequent influence, who would it be and why? This is an absolutely piss easy question for me, but you, Renfrew, I'm going to let you. Uh, Motley Crue's the first one that came to mind. But I feel like I've, I feel like I've answered that question before when I said Motley Crue. Yeah. So now I want to answer differently. So come back to me. Linkin Park. All fucking day. Linkin Park. Oh yeah, shit band. One good song. Paper Cut is the only song that isn't rubbish, and I mean rubbish. They're rubbish. Old fucking Joe Nan was on the the internet, the Twitter earlier, going. The one thing I'm proud of my generation for is that we all we all hate the Beatles. So like, yeah, you hate the Beatles, and you fucking reevaluated Linkin Park as something which isn't <laughs> shit. Well, let me tell you, it's shit. Right, Linkin Park is shit, and more importantly than the fact that they're shit, and let's not forget they're fucking shit, but. What they the, the the chasm that they have caused in heavy music is w- will never be that that divide will never heal. I don't think the cause of the the point where people were like, yeah, you know, I fucking don't like corn. I don't really like um, this new metal thing. I don't like Deftones, but yeah, it's 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 relatable to what's going on in metal right now. And then Limp Biscuit, no, actually, this is rubbish. Like, no, no, thank you. 
But then Linkin Park, to me, I think that's a point where everyone down tools and either either a load of new people, yeah, like you can go, hey, look how many new people got introduced to it. Yeah, and they went and formed Young Guns. Like, come mm. on. And none of them did anything good. Uh, and, um, you know, oh, if it wasn't for Linkin Park, we wouldn't have issues and <laughs> Young Guns and, do you know what I mean? All these yeah, fucking, like, we came as Romans and all these fucking terrible bands. Um and then it just made a bunch of grumpy old old school metal twats run even further into the arms of you know bullet belts and denim and leather and and that really quite regressive you know like i i like a lot of proper old school metal but i don't just want metal to be that i don't really want it to be that and i don't really want it to be the extreme flip of it and i think linkin park have played a massive part in fracturing metal and making it kind of go to those extremes like when you listen to deathcore right i was thinking about this the other day deathcore bands i would you'd listen to them and then you'd read what people would say online about them like this is pussy emo shit like and you go why what just got short hair i don't why and the reason people did that is because there was that felt like there was a whole decade where people just listened with their eyes. And I think so much of that is because they heard Linkin Park and bands and the bands after Linkin Park and just went, nah. Mm. And, you know, uh, I think we are, we, we you know, it, if it had led to the point where, you know, metal became this massive thing for a very, very, very long time, but it didn't. It had a boom in 2001 for a few years, then emo came along. Then you got a bit of like, oh, Lamb of God and Kill Switch Engage and all those bands are doing all right. None of them ever became as big as, you know, Korn or Manson no. or, or no, you know, yeah. System of a Down or any of those bands. Like None of them ever made that kind of leap. Mm. And now it's fucked. You know, the commercial, I think the long game for that has been appalling what it's done to the metal scene. Appalling. Do you lay the blame entirely at Linkin Park? Speak? I think Linkin Park are well. They you know Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, uh, Papa Roach, those bands. Mm. Certainly those bands. I think well, that's what I kind of consider to be third. Not Linkin, uh, not Limp Bizkit. Sorry, but from sort of Linkin Park, I what I consider like third gen new metal. New metal yeah. Um, you know the the Godheads and the Union Undergrounds and the when it when it when it got Turn me on, well Mr. yeah when it mm. got well kind of well poppy and well frat boy and, and just like really fucking really lame but Linkin Park were the biggest ones of those bands undeniably and so many people go oh you know I got into it through Linkin Park and I'm sure there are a bunch of bands who are great who um who were like I got into Linkin Park you know, and that's what set me off to listening to metal, yada, 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 all that stuff. But I would argue you, you probably would have found, you know, you probably would have found something akin to it anyway. And so much other bad stuff has happened. I'm not sure. Like I'm trying to think of a band who I like, someone like the dude from suicide silence going, Oh, you know, we wouldn't have formed if it wasn't for Linkin Park. And it's like, that's great. And I like your band, but that ain't enough. <laughs> like, I would rather have a world without Linkin Park and without Suicide Silence than what we've got right now. Devil's Advocate question. Do you think we would have had that big boom in uh, 2001 without Linkin Park? I think it was already pretty fucking massive. It seemed to be brewing already, I mean, it was it? pretty... Chocolate 
starfish, yes, chocolate and starfish that came out untouchables May. white pony yeah. i mean it's the point it's uh, the toxicity point, toxicity it's the point where you know morning it, it wasn't enough to sell yeah uh, <laughs> it wasn't you know corn and deftones and bands like that were selling two million copies a million copies two million three million yeah, I four think, million I think follow the leader was something like eight million yeah yeah it? some of them sold a lot of money yeah. a lot of copies like you think how much manson like marilyn manson sold a lot yeah. of records like the you know it wasn't just like linkin park came along and suddenly these bands who were selling 200 it wasn't like nirvana where it was you know everyone's selling a hundred thousand copies and then suddenly they're selling 13 million yeah. copies yeah. you know linkin park were already on the back of it's just they suddenly sold 50 million copies yeah. rather than selling yeah. 10 million copies yeah. and that is you know it's quite massive. significantly larger I mean, that is five times more it's still so one of the five... biggest selling albums ever isn't yeah. it hybrid it's sold like i mean i think white pony in america only sold like um 1.25 million records say only but you know sold yeah, 1.25 yeah. million but records in comparison, which, in yeah. comparison to what you know and they were lincoln park were out selling deftones while they were supporting them it's uh, fucking nuts yeah, you know yeah. a lot of people left in that london arena show and that was the point where i started going you're leaving after this support yeah, band while to, to miss Deftones on White Pony, yeah. you know, uh, and the whole, you know, that I think people got really kind of antsy. I mean, I definitely did. Got really shitty about that attitude, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not having this. And I'll be doing I, that at Berry tomorrow next week. Are you going to get shit with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reviewing it for Metal Hammer, so I'm going to stay, um, you know, straight down the line. I might watch a bit of Berry tomorrow. Anyway, Probably that's right. my answer, Linkin Park. Always, um, always. I'm, I'm, just to make it slightly more interesting, the Motley Crew aren't going to throw in Die Anvard, I suppose, because I, they're just fucking shite, aren't they? Okay. <laughs> but that's the only reason. Uh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> fair. That's that's really good what, reason. What, really. Have they, what have they contributed to music? Just a laugh, isn't it? Just a bit of colour, just a bit of fun, just a bit of one of those things you look at and go, oh, they're not boring. Do you know what I mean? At least they're not boring. No, they're not boring. I mean, boring. I would say Linkin Park are boring. Yeah, but... They are actually boredom. But boring doesn't tend to... like. There's, I could name loads of boring bands like Keen and fucking The Killers and all that kind of thing, but they don't really infect my psyche like like Diane I, I see that as a positive I have to be honest well that's why we're two different people we are we're actually <laughs> two completely different people uh, Tony Bliss is there any chance we can get Renfrew to watch The Office so you can appreciate all of Stephen's quotes yeah please I mean come on uh, the, the UK Office The Office there's, the, there's only one the office oh yes i forgot i forgot to i'm not allowed to talk about the us one uh that's the office in american workplace which is you know not oh okay Okay. big pile of crap right (laughs) okay um there's two seasons is that right two series series we call it (laughs) and a christmas special and it is basically perfect well i watched um uh so one of my first ever girlfriends was loves the office and i watched the first three episodes of the second series and find it similar so find it found it mind-numbingly boring so did. um i you did, did. Hmm. yeah oh well i'm sorry you hate comedy renfrey you don't <laughs> understand it you know it's your child billy eilish slagged it off recently she called it trash called i the, mean the I, office trash. I don't feel passionate enough to 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 sort of diss it or anything like that and and i'm, I'm more than happy to admit that i just don't really get it but um i don't what, I, how can you not get it what I don't. It, Do you not understand? I don't think it, there's anything to get though. That's the other thing. I just do don't mean? find it funny. It's not. I don't find it funny. There's a lot of there's a lot of comedy around that time, especially that was massive. Which like Brass Eye. Yeah, Brass Eye's fantastic, but Brass Eye is well above the office. No, Come on, they're the 
the best three shows ever are The Office, Arrested Development, and Brass Eye. They're the best three. I one hundred percent agree with you with the last two. Arrested, in fact, Arrested Development. I would go as far as to say is my favourite comedy well, thing ever. Uh, let's not concede concede that seasons four and five of Arrested Development are fucking woeful. Um, so that's what puts nah. it down terrible but and also it's american in it. it's got that like Arrested development is great like, i'm not saying enough Arrested development it's great but that is a very american type of humor yeah but it's I, i've always been into we're american funny. humor we're but, funnier than them i've always been into american humor more than british humor i don't really know why i just have oh, they've done it it's brilliant larry sander show amazing i i um, fucking love i mean it's it, it, it probably looks ancient now compared to other things but like i still love the original seinfeld yeah you seinfeld know like the 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 they did everything first, you know. Am I going to watch it? I don't know. I've well, got a lot I just of things can't I want to watch. Even believe that people. I am really weirded out by people that don't like The Office because I just think you must look at that and go, "Oh, what's wrong?" People go, "I don't know what I'm supposed to be laughing at." I, that to me makes me think like, so you think his behaviour is all right? You're looking at it going, "What's wrong with that?" What's wrong with him? No, 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 no. It like that and going monkey, it's and then not... it being really awkward, and you go, "Well, that's that's fine behaviour." And I think that makes you. It's, <laughs> like it's, it's, real it's not, not that I think it's fine behaviour. I just don't think it's funny. It's just like that. I don't. But haven't you met so many fucking people like that? I haven't worked in many offices. It's not about the offices. They're everywhere. These people. They're no. literally everywhere. No, you could not do... really. Oh, um. Anyway. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move. Do on. I, do I just sit here blankly when you do loads of office references? Yes. And they just go with my head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. All the fucking time. I like the people in the office. Or... I like Martin Freeman. He's good. Yeah, he Tim was a hobbit once. Office. I liked him from the office. Yeah. 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 That's well. That's Richard Herring's Let's subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, I like um, uh, uh, tall, gangly man. Stephen Merchant. Stephen. No, I don't like Stephen Merchant. He annoys me. Oh, Mackenzie Crook. Mackenzie Crook. Mm-hmm. I don't like uh, Ricky Gervais or Stephen. Well, see, I don't like Ricky Gervais anymore. That thing he did last year, that fucking past absolutely terrible thing. It's got these amazing reviews. What was it called? Um, It was on Netflix. I know the one you mean. Afterlife. Oh, God. It was so bad. It was so mind-blowingly bad. I absolutely hated it. This is probably going to blow your mind. You're probably going to throw something at me. I do really like... I do think Extras is really good. Extras is great, but how can you think Extras is great and not like The Office? It's the same fucking humour, but just amped up. You're such a fucking... God, why don't you go and fuck America in the arse? (laughs) I'd like, I'd like to try. Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> the whole of America? Yeah, all of it. Ugh, I might not have time to do the podcast, but I'll give it a go. No, good. Um, so uh, let's just move on. Uh, I'll talk about music instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Doug Ray asks, trade-off of the year and why? Was it because it was the most surprising, spark of the best conversation, or just because it was the best one you listened to? I'm going to give a shout-out to something which happened accidentally but felt like amazing serendipity is when we did the Verbs Urban Hymns and Hootie and the Blowfish crack yeah, great which show. was just I'd like to do more stuff like that because that really felt like um, it was so much more than just the music mm. it felt like it was a sort of this some like summation of two completely different cultural things happening at a very similar time and trying to work out why one didn't really get the other yeah and the, you know like the the kind of um the anthrop the anthropology the anthropology of music and why music connects with people is something which i've always been really really interested in 
Led for and, a very interesting discussion, and, indeed. And yeah. when you look at the numbers of no, what, sorry, sorry, yeah, and what you look at the numbers of what happened with Hootie the Blowfish in America and how it just, did, but I mean, particularly Hootie Bonkers. the Blowfish and how it did not connect in the UK at mm. all, and how you know Dave Matthews Band and Matchbox Twenty and all of those bands have never really connected in the UK, and trying to kind of work out why that was when they had this incredible thing in America, and then you look at why Oasis and the Verve and you know Pulp like just couldn't connect in america something to do with cheese and cynicism isn't it so americans yeah this is very broad and i mm. don't think we should go into it now because we've got other questions and we have but, done it as well but we have done it but like you know the cheesy america just love that sort of cheesiness yeah. and and we're a bunch of cynical assholes really basically yeah. Yeah. You know, i think that i think that's broadly the answer but you could talk about it for hours you could yeah yeah, yeah. um um i would have to say um batman i mean batman print soundtrack yeah. I mean, that got us on Wikipedia. Um, thank you for people yeah, who good. did that. Um, it only lasted about a week, but there was a glorious week where uh, uh, the the whole world who who looked at that Wikipedia entry knew that I masturbated to the Prince <laughs> Batman soundtrack, which is not even true. I've never oh, ever done that in my good. life. Um, uh, that I mean, that was really good fun, uh, and I, I have to. I'm eternally grateful for you introducing me to Talk Talk. Mm. I have to um, obviously I knew who they were and I was aware of them and I probably would have got around to them at some point or other but uh, yeah just being sort of just that little push was all I needed and mm. um, you know uh, I, I like doing sort of established I mean I think particularly doing quite well established artists that one of us aren't familiar with yeah. like that is called Sugar by um, oh. sorry, Copper Blue by Sugar yes. Talk Talk um, I was talking Damon, to about, Damien yeah. Rice um, mm. you know the drift by Scott mm. Walker mm -hmm, getting to mm -hmm. kind of really go into um, a tight teenage riot as well I like the reaction to a lot of people going I listened to it and it was and the people who like obviously I masturbated like, to it like noise music go yeah. like you pussies <laughs> uh, I quite like that reaction as well so yeah I think it's been a good one I've, I've enjoyed doing that I think there have been times where me or you just go oh god um, that thing you definitely haven't heard of before and then you just go oh, this is a pretty good hardcore album that yeah, I've never heard yeah, of yeah. and that's it but when you get the sort of big hitters unfortunately you and I have mostly heard most of the big big stuff I don't know I think you'd be surprised maybe we need to ever sit maybe. down and just go through bands yeah one day but, yeah. yeah but I do I do like doing that um, I'm going to pick one off Twitter nice so don't yeah. at Riot Act Podcast yeah um, Hidden Mothers say who is the f your favourite band that you didn't know existed before 2019 considering I didn't know Clipping or Her Name is Color existed before I, we reviewed their albums and they've ended up being my sort of joint first favourite album of the year that's a pretty easy one for me so I'm going to have I have to say them um, really. th oh god stuff I've been listening to that didn't come out this year there is a um a uh, wonderful EP, which actually may well be the thing that I have listened to the most this year. Yeah. And I felt internally guilty about it because it came out last year by a band called uh, Boy Genius. Um, I was thinking of giving it to you on um, Trade Off. I don't know, maybe one day. But basically, it is um, three amazing female singer-songwriters, uh, uh, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridges, and Lucy Spragan, I want to say. Um, and they just got together and did a six song EP. And I listened to it over and over and over and over and over again. I've I've listened to it so much this year. Um, it's your vibe this year, isn't it? 
sort of sad. It really has. Thing. Yeah, it really. I mean, you know, to be honest, that's going to be down to a lot of the stuff that's happened in yeah, my yeah, life. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, I have, it is, it is kind of weird how I've kind of, I, I've, I feel like I've not, um, I was wondering if this is just like me getting older or, 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 but maybe I suppose with the things that have happened in my life this year, like I go to put Dillinger on, for example, and I'm like, I, I adore Dillinger Escape Plan. Like they are probably top 10 band for me of all time. But, you know, I've barely listened to Dillinger this year because it's just, it's I've, just not felt appropriate no, to what's I've, happening I've in my a, life. I think, you know, the, the heavy music that I've listened to this year has been a different type of heavy. Yeah. And I had a discussion with someone on, I, I put out on, on Twitter the other day, 2019, great year for music, bang average year for metal. And maybe a lot of that is in my head that, you know, a lot of albums that have, have been really great have just not really connected with me. You know, albums that have been very, very well reviewed, like, you know, the Blood Incantation album, everyone wanged yeah. me about listening yeah. to that. And I would listen to it and I was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, people seem to really love the Killswitch album, not for me I particularly. Um, <laughs> people seem to you know have gone mad for the cattle decapitation album i have gone back to mm. it a couple of times i think cattle decapitation are great like mm. i love cattle decapitation i think they're brilliant and i do think the new album is actually it felt like we just kept going well look at that cattle decapitation album. look at that for a few weeks and and it's a really really good album it is um, and i i picked the wrong uh the wrong yeah target, it's, it's definitely the better one of the better ones i mean i think you know in and maybe within another month of it in my ears it, it actually might have crept into one of those kind of low 20 spots in my albums of the year actually because at this point having listened to it you know quite a lot yeah uh, i do really really like it i still will stand by the fact that i don't think it's as experimental as it has been made out to be by a lot of people this kind of yeah. experimental masterpiece i think they've, they've done that and I yeah think this just feels like a bit more of a, cons uh, a consolidation until you get to the last track which well, the last couple of tracks where you know they do go well melodic. I was, um, I was talking to some members of Holy Raw bands on Friday night, and um, they absolutely adore it. And I, it's a good just, album. Like, it, 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 it's good. It's a really yeah. It's a really good album. But people are bonkers for it, and yeah, I'm just yeah. like Meh. the Not Loose <sighs> record. I mean, we didn't review that. No, you know, like that has been can be asked massively, massively kind of like mm. wow, Not Loose album. And I listened to. You know, I mean, I gave that a re I gave that a very good review in Metal Hammer. Okay, and then I went back and listened to it recently, and I was just like, I actually thought it was good, mm. and now I just think it's all right. Mm. Like I just, I don't. I, don't get what the fucking fuss is about but I, I think this is the thing with music and this is the thing why this is this is actually one of the challenges with reviewing music because um i've in in a weird way i found it difficult to review the heavier releases this year because of the stuff that's been going on and like um the and i suppose going to very emotionally um open uh well, that feels heavier to me as well now well, well, yes. It, well, it's uh, it resonates with me yeah. in a manner that um, it hasn't done in the past, and you know, I don't want to sort of maintain. Oh, you have to have tragic things happen in your life in order for this music to resonate with you. It will help, though. My God, will it help? And um, yeah, I, I have found myself just, yeah, you know, I to guess mellowing out a little bit this year, just because that's what's felt most appropriate, really still listen to heavy shit i mean i loved saint pierre and i loved coluna and like mm. bloody bloody blah um but yeah um that has a, a lot of that stuff is stuff that's really really resonated with me this year so yeah 
see, I feel like I've actually listened to heavier stuff, but it's just a different type of heavy. I would say Lingering, which I have barely listened to, to be fair, but something like that. Well, Swans, uh, I think, is quite a good example. Scott Walker, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I actually think that stuff is far heavier than any death metal band. I agree. So, you know. Um, Donald Kennedy, this is a good question. Both of your current home hi-fi and setups and headphones. So a tech question, Renfrey. Okay. Um, I can tell you exactly what my home sort of stereo setup is. I have got a lot of speakers in my house, haven't I? Yeah, you do. I've got quite a lot of speakers mm. in my house. My main thing is my, I've got a Denon turntable. I've got a Tangent Amster amp uh, connected to Dali speakers. Now, I did have some trouble getting some good speakers, but I was using a Bose um uh, what are they called I've, that that Bose speaker that I've got a kind of Bluetooth a big Bluetooth Bose speaker that you could just plug into it and I was like this is a waste of fucking time so I ne- I just never listened to my records I was like what's the point there's no point this sounds shit um, and it was actually it was this year talking about doing the Brits we went I went to the Brits and then the next day I came in really really hungover and um, me and the guys I work with were so hungover that we didn't do any work we just went and ordered 150 chicken wings in the pub around the corner and we had 150 chicken wings and i wandered into richer sounds hungover oh yes with a, like my sort of bonus from that and when i have a need to buy everything please <laughs> and i just bought an entirely <laughs> brand new really? he gave me yeah he gave me a really good deal on on all that stuff it was f- still pretty expensive I and mean, it's the most money i've spent on anything for yeah. a fucking long time but uh it was absolutely worth it because it sounds fucking lovely. And now I've got a spare room in my flat, which I just sort of sit and listen to music in. And that's pretty much all I do in that room. Well, it's uh, all I do in that room, actually. I bought, so my stereo system, I bought a really long time ago and I can't actually remember. I think I bought it in like 2006. So it's like 13 or 14 years old. Mm. Um, but it's a Cambridge Audio Amp. I cannot remember the make. It's, um, oh, is it T-Day Key? T- I've got a couple of sets of speakers as well. I think they're TDK right. speakers. Uh, and then a Marantz CD player. Hello. Um, I can't remember what my vinyl player is at all, to be totally honest with you. And I have to say, uh, I mean, I've kind of said it on this show before, but I don't play vinyl that often at all, really. Um, What's the reason for that? Um, I am... Um, often doing stuff to music and the whole idea of getting up and having to I, I so rarely get time to just sit down and listen unless I'm doing it for work in which case I won't be listening it's very unlikely I'll be listening to a vinyl I'll be listening to a mp3 that's yeah. been sent through to me so um and it is so rare that I get the opportunity to just sit down and just listen to an album and take it all in I would love yeah unless I'm reviewing it in, and, and I'll be reviewing it on a different format. Mm. I would love to be able to do that more, but um, unfortunately, my life just does not work that way at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's just a pain in the fucking ass having to turn it over all the time. I've never been particularly wedded to the sort of analog warmth style of vinyl because I didn't grow up with that stuff. I grew here's, up in the digital age with CDs. Here's the thing mm-hmm. uh, that, and this is what I found. So I, you know, I, I started collecting vinyl to in a bit two three years ago maybe mm-hmm. yeah two years ago and 
the reason I, I I got a record player in the first place and I got a really crappy one, my ex-wife got me a really shitty one because what does she know about anything, the idiot? And um, <laughs> and um, uh, and she, uh, basically, I, I, this here, I've got a social distortion vinyl there and Jonathan Seltzer at Metal Hammer went, can you review the social distortion box set? And I went, oh, absolutely, I'd love to. He's like, I'll send it to you. It's vinyl. Do you have a record player? And I went, no. So I just got a really cheap record player. Right. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I should we actually collect records. And, you know, I've got fucking loads of CDs. I'm a, I don't even have a CD player. That's why yeah. I want a Christmas CD player. And, um, and so then, you know, I had this scenario where I was like, well, I need to get the stuff. And I never really got a very good record player and I never really had enough money to get something good. And so when I could afford it, I was like, right, fuck it. I am actually going to get something that hopefully, because it was, you know, like I said earlier, it was absolutely pointless for me listening to records. And what I've realized is, is that it is pointless you buying records, no matter how good your turntable setup is, there is no point you buying records unless you're buying the right records, mm -hmm. I think. That's yeah. what I believe. So um, what I've got here is two reissues, basically. Um, for those of you not watching the YouTube channel, I've got Mummy's Little Monster by Social Distortion reissue, Pantera's Great Southern Trend Kill reissue. In the middle, that's four quid. You two, The Unforgettable Fire, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the other two, way more expensive than that. That £4 second-hand copy of You Two's The Unforgettable Fire sounds fucking amazing yeah. on my record player right and it genuinely does sound different i've got like emily my girlfriend paid 80 quid for led zeppelin for a second gen like pre hand a pressing second generation pressing or second whatever it's called pressing of, of led zeppelin 4 which is her favorite album you put that on on my on, on my stereo and it genuinely sounds yeah. like you've never listened to it before you've yeah, never yeah. fucking listened to it before and i'm that sounds like a wanky thing to say it's absolutely true that fucking Pink Floyd, The Wall, the that wall, my dad's yeah. got, yeah. right? He bought it the day it came out mm -hmm. and then he's given it to me. That, on my stereo system, sounds better than I've ever heard. You know, you listen to the deluxe reissued remastered version on your fucking whatever. Like, I've got two Sonos 1. I've got Sonos 1 in the corner here. I've got Sonos 1 in my bedroom and I've got, like I said, a Bose Bluetooth speaker in my kitchen as well. Um you can put the wall on on that sonos which is you know like, oh it's the best high quality mp3 sound blah 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 blah. sounds good mm. right but if you put it sounds nothing like how it sounds on my on, on with that record on that turntable with a really good yeah. turntable a really good amp really good wires and you know like i invested in quite good wires i invested in and, and good cable and i've got good at you know and it's it's a bit of a sort of starter set, but you really, really can tell a difference. So all the stuff that I buy now is basically second old hand. shit. Old shit. Yeah. Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Bit Road. Sounds yeah. fucking amazing. You got but I got the clipping album, which I love. You put it on vinyl, it doesn't really sound any different. That's the thing. I mean like, it only sounds good because those speakers are really good. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think I, some people some of you will probably realise this, but a lot of things are mastered specifically. You have to you you're meant to do a specific master for vinyl and then a yeah. specific master for digital. Mm. And um a lot of um studios do that and a lot of bands do that but a lot of them don't bother mm. um and uh because you know if you have two separate masters it costs more money yeah. and um it, it most uh, i don't oh, I, I was about to say most things will be mastered for digital now but i don't actually want to make that assumption well I don't something like know. the i've got the fragile the nine inch nails mm -hmm. 
um, yes. Fragile. So those yeah. Nine Inch Nails reissues, yeah. Trent Reznor, you know, being the uh, mixing mastering mastermind that he is, actually sat down and uh, remastered them for vinyl. So they sound really warm, they really great. Really they good. sound amazing, you know. But um, so many, even even when it's reissued on vinyl, nine times out of ten, they just won't bother because it's usually a record label trying to make a quick buck. Yeah, and it, you know, and it. If... You, I'd be curious to know. I mean, like, I'd be curious to know what the Great Southern Trend Kill sounds like. I can't imagine because I mean, that was released in 1996 when vinyl yeah. was not considered a big deal at all. Mm. And you know, I, it's fine that you own it. Obviously, it's a fucking amazing record. But like, is that version better than the CD version? I, I'm guessing it isn't. No, not really. Yeah. No. So. And the thing is, is, is what you know. It's only since I've had. I mean, what's it's February that I bought that setup. It's only since. And, and actually, shout out Matt Stocks from Life and Stocks has been on the show a whole bunch of times because Matt said Hello, to Matt. me. Don't waste your money on new vinyl. Don't waste yeah. your money on it. Yeah, and I would, and it's a really, really good piece of advice. Because I was like, no, man, it'll sound really good. It sounds much better. And for a little while, because my speakers sounded so much better than any other, than you know, like the Sonos one. <sighs> Do you know what I mean? It sounded like now. When I first got it, I was like, wow, look how clear and nice it is. But actually, in comparison to a proper stereo setup. It's nowhere near as good. Nowhere near as good. So I was getting like, you know, the fucking putting the Satanist on and going, listen how great it sounds. Listen how fucking great it sounds. And and actually, it was it was not the vinyl. It was the stereo. Yeah. It was the speakers yeah. that were making it sound better. Yeah. And yeah. it's only when you put on those old ones that you realise, um, you know, I, I still will buy, you know, I'm still going to buy whatever on vinyl because I think you want to there's a lot of times you want to support the bands that you're you know like new bands i want you want to buy their albums to support like you know you want to support that band but do you need to buy those albums yeah exactly like, to have the best thing not really yeah. and especially if you're running it through a sonos or a fucking you know it's Bose, totally pointless but it's an absolute waste of time complete yeah. and a waste of time so i don't want to sound like a snob or anything but that's yeah. <laughs> We sound like snobs every week on this show. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Here, Here she, she is. is. Bonjour. Um, and what about you, headphones-wise, Renfrey? Uh, I have a pair of Sennheiser Momentum M2s, I think. Um, yeah. And they are nice. You didn't get on with them, them, did you? Don't like them so much, no. But um, I like them. They're fine. I've You've got much nicer though, ones, though, haven't you? I've got, a I've got a pair of Jabra Elite uh, six something. I've got some. I've got. Matt, I've suddenly found myself with like nineteen fucking pairs of headphones. Can but... you give me a pair? Then? Nice. Oh, bonjour. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's what I got. The headphones are really good, and those Bose headphones are actually really good. Okay. Um, so yes. Uh, speaking of other extra stuff, Oscar K on Twitter says best books about music, any genre. Um, any genre of a book immediately i mean sorry this is the pearl jam fan in me but the the pearl jam 20 book that they released for their 20th anniversary is fucking incredible taking that theme run with it my favorite book of all time ever and i'm pretty sure i've said it before but my favorite book ever 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 is everybody loves our town that's a fantastic Yarm, book which absolutely is all the grunge bands yeah. there's also which is a great kind of someone said um uh uh, our band could be your life by michael azarad mm -hmm. is, which is again it's brilliant it's about the kind of 80s explosion of punk and underground movement in in america and then that leads on to um uh, uh, uh everybody loves our town there's a gap after that because there is another one which kind of picks up on the sort of new york 
strokes he's seen and LCD sound system and mm-hmm. that, which I've bought and I haven't actually read yet. But um, there's a gap there. There's a gap from sort of 94 to about 2002 that nobody's written that book. Mm. I want to write that book. Well, get on it. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> um, this is music related, but then not specifically about like a band or anything like that. But Oliver, Oliver Sacks' uh, Musicophilia is a fascinating insight into the psychology around music. And um, there was a film with Robert De Niro and um, Robin Williams uh, in 1989, I think it was released, called Awakenings, where um, Robin Williams yeah, effectively yeah. plays Oliver Sacks. And um, it sort of looks at how like sometimes music is used to like bring patient, patients out of comas and stuff like that. It's just a fascinating read. Um, there's a book about the oh, piracy. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. I'll try and put, I'll, I'll try and put a little list up because uh, I had not seen that question beforehand. So, but yeah, I'll Sorry, try yeah, and put a list one. up. That's right. Yeah. I'll put a list up. Of okay. Cool Fair stuff. enough. Um, uh, this is quite a good one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make, it says, what albums, this is Rob Johnston. What albums are you a bit, a bit too nice on when you're on the previous podcasts, podcasts? Um, but I'll just say a bit too nice in general. Like, have you ever reviewed something and gone, I'm going to give this a bit more of an easy ride for, for whatever reason? I definitely think I did and, and have in the past for sure. Um, I could probably name a whole bunch of them off the top of my head. Uh, you go. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, Five Finger, Five Finger Death Punch. Um, I, I thought being nice to Five Finger Death Punch was probably made sense because they were going to be the big band that came through. So I do sort of still think that. And I did look at them and go, they have mobilized so many people that to kind of shit on them feels like I didn't want to be seen as being like shitting on them for the fact that, you know, they'd got big or whatever. I don't really know. But I mean, I do think their music is fucking woeful. I mean, I've actually got their out their new album is heading my way for a metal hammer review. And obviously you have to judge it on. I've, I've reviewed two, three, three, five finger death punch albums in metal hammer. And I've never given them like two or one. I've never given them an absolute, kicking and i never would go into something thinking i'm gonna give this band a fucking kicking Mm. do you know what i mean um but uh i think i've probably made out i probably have made out at times that i am more kind of okay with five finger death punch than i than i really am because i do think their music is dross i just try and you get in that headspace when you review stuff for metal hammer i think i've said this before i get in a very different headspace when i get sent something from metal hammer where i kind of put myself in the position of a fan of that band or or as a kind of the general reader of metal hammer you kind of i feel like the tone of the magazine and is important so i feel like you have to kind of you, you have to adapt. consider the to yeah. you have to consider the tone of that. If I turned around and reviewed Five Finger Death Punch and said, "You fucking idiots, this is awful. Go and listen to Nick Cave, or go and listen to the National, or go and listen to Spirit of Eden," they'd go, "Okay, well, you can't ever write for us ever, ever again, again because yeah. th- that that's not what this magazine yeah, is." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've so, got to, you've got to think of the audience. Yeah, so I think you do have to consider the audience, and you know the people who like five finger death punch will they like that or the people who are on the fence about five finger death punch will they like that it's all about you know sort of taking your own ego out of it a little bit mm. um avenge sevenfold another band i think who 
Um, I don't hate Avenged Sevenfold. I mean, I think they're they've had some pretty good records over the when years. The, yeah, when they do it well, they do, like mm. I I do think City of Evil's great. Mm, um, I thought the stage was great. Yeah, the stage was good actually. Yeah, but then you know, Hell to the King, I thought was bloody. Well, I've gone back to that and actually like it a lot more than I thought I did. But in general, they they just always felt like uh, they used to feel like quite a sort of icky band do you know what i mean like their opinions and them as the way they behaved and stuff did always feel a bit like ooh, like a bit gross do you know what i mean so i always had a bit of a problem with them with all that you know like t-shirts with the american flag on the back like love it or die and all that sort of shit and i was like oh, go away mm. um but i've actually I, I interviewed matt shadows and he was fucking lovely okay yeah, yeah. Um, so probably I'm, not then actually <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling that. with this one a little bit I suppose when I was at the independent I was one of the things that was brilliant about it is I was kind of lucky that I had the freedom to cover um, whatever I wanted and um, I kind of made a decision quite early I didn't really review stuff at the indie I did more features and interviews and stuff like that so because I didn't have to review stuff I, I, I well I didn't really review stuff during then and then, really, I mean, the, the beginning of my reviewing career, quote unquote, has probably mm. been like the last 18 months, truthfully. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's enough time to really think, oh, have I got anything, you know, have I been overly harsh on, and oh, have I been overly harsh on Dinosaur Pile Up? <laughs> don't know. I need, mm. still need to go back to it, <laughs> listen to it. I Shit. mean, maybe one day I'll find that. Um but no, it's a bit yeah because I because because the actual specific reviewing stuff I've not been yeah. actually technically doing for that long. It's actually a little bit difficult. I'll tell you one. I'll tell you a good one. Actually, um, the first ever record I was ever given to review for Metal Hammer mm. was a Drowning Pool record, mm. right? And I thought to myself, right, this is going to be sh like this is even people who are into that sort of thing. This is this is shit. Even even by the low standards of Drowning Pool, this is fucking shit right mm. absolute shit and i listened to it and i thought fucking hell and i thought it was my first review i can't just go one out of ten two out of ten do you know what i mean i can't absolutely destroy something first time around so i gave it five i get okay. like bang in the middle and i just went you know old school fans will probably uh, all that crap right mm. and i was like oh no and i was really like oh I'd, and i just but i basically bottled it you fudged it I fucking, bot I fucking bottled it. I should have gone to Jonathan like, here you go, Jonathan. This is what you're going to get from me. It's going to be outright <laughs> just hostility yeah. to band. It wouldn't have made any fucking difference really because it's not like drowning pool fans in their droves would have like driven down to the Metal Hammer offices and <laughs> kicked the door in or anything. <laughs> so I don't know why I did that, but I but I did do that. So yeah, I think drowning pool are probably one that would be... Uh, do you want to apologise to Puddle of Mud for the kicking you gave their covers album? No. Not at all. I think I was probably too nice. Calling <laughs> <laughs> call it the worst thing that's ever happened. It's probably too nice. Um, Fraser McIntosh, you created the right act Venn diagram on episode zero. Does this still represent your show or would you change it? Um, no, I don't think I'd change very if anything. No, probably not. I think only tweaks here and there. Mm. I mean, did we do an indie? We did, yeah. And it was, I mean, this was the, it spawned a... Are the Pixies indie? Oh well, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, REM yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was I can you know Stone Roses? Stone Roses? Will I keep the Stone Roses in? 
<laughs> after reviewing Ian Brown's album. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think the kind of newest thing we had in indie was... I mean, I went for LCD sound system. I don't think that that actually got in, but that was, and you went for Arcade Fire? Yeah, Arcade Fire game? No, no. I can't remember who I no. went for. Um, I think, I mean. I would put, I think I would, at this point, actually, having gone back, I've got, I've gone right back to Arcade. In the last year, I've listened to Arcade Fire quite. I really love Arcade Fire. Okay. I think mm-hmm. they're great. I think I probably would put Arcade Fire in now. Although actually they're no newer than LCD Sound System either, are they? So I think I mean, when we put that Venn diagram together, uh, amazingly, I had never heard The National at that point. Mm. And, you know, now, I mean, I've only sort of heard three or four of their records now, but based on those three or four alone, I'm like, they probably deserve yeah. a place in there. Mm. Um, although I'm easy to find, hadn't come out of that point, obviously, which is my favourite. I don't yeah. know. Um, I'm sure there'd be Refuse tweaks. might have been elbowed out of the hardcore section oh. at this point after that last record. Although they're so Don't. that record's so important that I know what you're going to say and you're probably right. But yeah. <laughs> I won't say it then. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I am right. Yeah, no, I feel pretty... It was a fairly good list overall. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, any any um, regrets about letting me put Muse in the prog section? Oh fuck! Um, <laughs> always, yeah. Um, even even with the Muse, the new Muse album being yeah pretty fucking horrendous, I you know I still don't for the reasons that I said at the time. They they um, have made prog music in the modern times a stadium thing for. Yeah you know, the average Joe and Jolene. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I think that's important. So, fuck it. Yeah, it's pretty important, yeah. Um, Thomas Power, is the ginger nut the best tea biscuit? No. Chocolate no, I digestive. don't think so. Yeah. You've got to have chocolate, chocolate digestive. got to have chocolate on, haven't you? Mm, yeah. Anything with chocolate on is the best anything. I was discussing this with a friend last night and um, she was saying that, like, the chocolate part the thing with putting dipping chocolate into tea is then it sort of um comes off and like all goes dip, dribbly at the bottom yeah but then when you finish your tea you got a little chocolate kick Ooh. i'll be i'll be honest i'll be honest with you i don't really dip biscuits in my tea what the fuck why no, i just not i just don't I'm, I'm over it do you know what though the best um biscuit and liquid combination is oreos and milk yeah Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big time. Um, Hope that's answered your question. (laughs) Oh, although, although actually, sorry, this friend who I was talking to did say that the good thing about the ginger nut is it keeps its integrity and its shape within the tea. Hence why some people would argue that, but I don't want the integrity and shape kept. I want the dribbly bits at the bottom and then. Yeah. Don't really like ginger nuts. Um, Dan Morgan, who's been your best and worst interviewees? Oh, okay. uh, Like, well, best is relatively easy. Is it? Um, as, as uh, well, I've got a few. If that's okay, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I've interviewed Jason Allen Butler a few times from Let Live and Fever Three Three Three. He's always excellent. Uh, I would say Devin Townsend is a yeah, absolute oh, I laugh. I was on the phone to Devin about two weeks ago. Nice, the hammer. Um, he's so honest he's so open yeah he was great um jamie lemon is just a fucking dream yeah jamie um, you don't have to do any work at all with jamie um frank turner great to interview like really you know it's <laughs> obviously a very divisive guy mm. for a lot of people but like he he's um he often gives very thoughtful very intelligent answers really listens to your questions uh, and i've really enjoyed interviewing frank over the years 
Yeah, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, for me, there's a few. I mean, uh, is it best or ones that were you most like, wow? Uh, there's been a few that have been great. One of my favorites is Eddie Hamida, who I spoke to um, on uh, the, the back of their very divisive self-titled record. And it's good when you, you know, when you... I, bands should be able to accept criticism. You yes. know, I know if you're Matt Tuck, you can't, but <laughs> that's fine. Um, but, but a band should be able to. We'll get to that in a second. But um, but you should be able to accept criticism. You should be able to kind of justify. And, you know, I don't mind bands kind of doing whatever they do. And then when you interview them, as long as they don't kick their fucking toys out of the pram and have a like paddy about it. And if they, but he was absolutely willing to have a conversation and think of, and talk to me about all of the very different things that they had done on that i do remember that i'm 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 not even a suicide silence fan and i found that a f- really fascinating interview yeah, yeah it was really really good um mike mccready from pearl jam oh. i spoke to mike mccready about uh the reissue you put of him in one of the best is he that? he was well i'll tell you what it was right oh, is that i had basically i'd done about four four interviews for metal hammer at that point um, one of them was, uh, the first one I did was an Italian band called Nero de Matra, who were kind of released a really great, you know, Gojira-esque sort of genty, like sort of groove metal record. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. And that was the first interview I did. And then they gave me Dale from Malefice, um, Monty from Heights, and Rusty from Brotherhood of the Lake. So I'd just done basically like one band who I didn't really know about and I just discovered, but who were quite small. And then sort of three bands who I already knew quite a lot about um and then they were like oh do you want to do mike mccready and i was like oh fuck so i went from sort of those of my yeah. number five right yeah. and they're like mike mccready will call you at midnight and it's like oh shit uh oh my god and then he called and he was late he called me like 45 minutes late as well and i was like oh fucking hell and then he was so just like where are you and i was like i'm in london he's like oh i love hyde park what, what's the weather like and this is like in the summer and he was just like really chatty yeah and when i kind of when i was like oh, i haven't really interviewed hardly anyone before um he was like yeah you're doing really good yeah yeah and he was just so lovely and you think like he's the first significantly sizable musician that i'd ever spoken to mm. and he's in fucking pearl jam yeah. you know what i mean and he's mike mccready and yeah. he was just so fucking lovely yeah. so lovely and i find that quite a lot like the people who are absolutely massive 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 stars tend to be you know the ones who've sold millions and millions of records they tend to be the nicest people they don't tell they yeah. tend, there's there's you know that you get young bands who are just you're just desperate to we're like oh my god i'm being interviewed amazing yeah um and then you get massive stars like rob halford is just like so nice yeah you know yeah. he's just such a fucking lovely dude um and like the guys I did status quo, I did Rick Parfit and, and Francis Rossi from status quo. And Rick Parfit is just like such a, was such a nice man. Yeah. Like I was on team rock and you know, I don't know really much anything about status quo at all, but I was just like, what a fucking absolutely lovely bloke. Yeah. Duff McKagan. It's just such a nice dude. I did Chris Cornell. He was lovely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had, I did his last ever face to face interview in really? the UK. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Hell. Um, and, um, at the Royal Albert hall and, um, that he was you know really nice and i asked him quite difficult questions about like andy wood and stuff like that the, mm. the, the you know who was uh one of his best friends a vocalist of mother love bone who died of a heroin overdose and he was perfectly happy to answer those questions and then there's uh, 
probably slightly smaller name than the ones you've been talking about, but Chino from Deftones is yeah, Chino is lovely. Really cool. Yeah, Chino is really cool as well. <sighs> Jonathan, every time I hear Jonathan, Jonathan Davis, Davis, I've yeah. never done Jonathan face to face, but every time I hear Jonathan Davis' voice come over the phone, I'm always like, oh my god. And you know what? I I'm so sorry just to cut in, but I, I was very very fortunate to do a face to face with Jonathan Davis um, for an hour. Um, and it was about Korn's entire career. You know, it wasn't just about the new record. And a lot of the time, you know, bands are just seeing it as promo and they just want to talk about the new stuff. And he would talk about anything mm. I wanted. Like I, I could have asked him anything and he would have been happy to answer yeah. it. And he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was really nice. Jonathan. Winston from Partway Drive, I love mm. talking to as well. Mm-hmm. Just again, really like, a bit like Jason. Um, from, yeah. you know, Jason from Let Live is uh, from sorry for the Fever Three. <laughs> Jason <laughs> Butler is um, yeah because I, I actually no, I haven't interviewed him for Fever Three Three, but Jason's really really good. Obviously, um, Winston's a, a, a cut from a sort of similar cloth. I think yeah. like, he's really really good. Um, but yeah, I, I've been fairly. No, not many people have been real. Di- I mean, someone actually did ask on Twitter as well. You know, have you ever been starstruck in an interview? Maynard James Keenan is the. I spoke to James Keenan for just over three minutes, about three minutes and 10 seconds. Mm. And I forgot how to speak, how to use my legs, like what to, I I couldn't respond to him. And he just stared at me the entire time. And I think he was deliberately doing that (laughs) to to get at me. Um, And it's the worst. It's probably the worst three minutes. I did Maynard over the, I did Maynard over the phone uh, for Pussifer for 25 30 minutes and i was shitting it just because you hear so much stuff about like how maynard is quite difficult and i found him fine i was really quite lucky i felt you know and i felt like i could probably could have spent more time on the phone if i'd wanted to i i was <laughs> i rather foolishly cut it short myself because i was like oh well that's our time and never do that but um yeah I, I was kind of lucky with maynard he seems absolutely yeah. fine to me i think he just kind of assesses you within a few minutes and then i think he saw me and just went look at this guy just sort of going <laughs> yeah yeah at me i mean it's the I, only time i've ever done that as well I, literally the only time like i've ever done that i've been on the phone to people before but i remember like um billy gould from faith no more phone me once and i was like it's billy gould mate. first time max cavalera's voice came over the phone yeah. you know like i've spoken to max a lot of times now I sort of joke like, oh, me and Max are mates, but Max will talk forever. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, do you know yeah, what I mean? He will him, talk yeah. forever. Um, Actually, the, you just mentioned Billy Gould. Um, I did a face to face with Billy Gould, and he's absolutely lovely. Um, deaf as a post, uh, but then not surprising. Uh, but fucking lovely. Like, yeah, yeah really lovely really guy. Nice. Billy Adam Dee, I always think he's a really good person to talk to. He's really funny. Um, but in terms of bad ones, the worst. Um, there is one worst for me, absolutely the worst, but there are three that really stick out for sort of quite different reasons. Do you want all three? Yeah. Um, it's going to be harder for me to answer this question. I'll, I'll tell you why Why afterwards. Let me know. All right. You want to know now? Well, again, similar to what I was saying before with the indie, I kind of got free reign to do an interview, whoever I wanted to. So, and I think often into, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case with yours, but I think often interviews can be bad because you don't really want to interview those people. And then they can get that sense off of you that you don't really want to interview them. And then they're difficult with you. Um, but 
generally i've been incredibly fortunate so i'll probably i will give an answer but i'll probably have to rephrase it from not from worst but just sort of most difficult to extract anything from okay well, I, can give you some <laughs> worse. I also want to say like for best vinnie paul well, uh, fucking nice. amazing yeah uh, it's just the best dude um i got three that really stand out for me one is nothing really is band of band of skulls or band, a band of horses a band of band of skulls yeah band of skulls yeah that's it yeah <laughs> the southampton trio who played sonosphere in 2014 i was on team rock and they were getting quite big i think they played glastonbury and they were quite high up at reading they got added to the sonosphere bill they came in and matt was my producer matt set up an interview but wasn't there that day so he said i'll oh, come in and just set it all up yourself and an interview um band of skulls and he said i think it'd be quite good because i'd done royal blood I'd interviewed Royal Blood and it was a bit like, you know, this is sort of going into more of the the sort of indie world. I think we were trying to yeah. set one up with Wolf Alice. And um and they just were the most playing at disinterested. Do you know what I mean? I hate about it, like, oh yeah, whatever. Like that whole mm. that really typically indie thing of like, yeah, we don't want to be interviewed and yeah, we can't be bothered. And it was a radio interview. And I went, You guys are playing Sonosphere with Metallica and uh iron maiden and the prodigy that's really cool but you also recently played glastonbury you know because it's team rock you kind of play up to rock and all that and i said you played um so I said, you know any who's your favorite out of the sonosphere lineup and they were like oh like you know whatever like who cares sort of thing mm. and then i was like you're also playing glastonbury and i was like look at they got a load of old crap on the glastonbury lineup isn't it? look at that lily allen fucking <laughs> like went through a load of this shit <laughs> shit but like bastille i was like who's the worst out of all them Gotta be Lily Allen, isn't it? You know, he must have bet you hate Lily Allen. Don't you? That she's shit, isn't she? Really, she's rubbish, isn't she? And they were just like, I don't actually think actually like saying bad things about other artists is just something that we don't want to do. And I was like, well, you don't seem to want to say anything. I was like, also, you're from Southampton as well, and I'm from Portsmouth. I'm a Portsmouth supporter. You're presumably Southampton supporters. I was like, so we're kind of mortal enemies, aren't we? Do you hate me? And they were like, uh. <laughs> like just would not be interesting or fun or do you know what i mean wouldn't would, just would not you know i started by sort of trying to talk to them about their music but when it became apparent that they just didn't want to talk then i was like all right well then i'm just going to be thoroughly obnoxious to you yeah um uh the other one is mark morton from lamb of gods and i feel like i can say this now because i've held this in for many years winfrey and then, well you haven't held it in off camera but no but <laughs> Last summer, or th no, this summer just gone, I spoke to Mark Morton on the phone and I agreed to it with doing a piece about Lamb of God. And then they said, oh, you'll be talking to Mark Morton. And I went, oh, no. And I've deliberately tried to avoid talking to Mark Morton. And then I spoke to him on the phone after all these years again. And he was really, really, really nice. Mm -hmm. So I feel like what I'm saying is, is that I may have caught him on couple of bad days i think this is something that is worth remembering you can yeah. catch people on really bad days and we all have bad days and sometimes you have to consider i had that, a so. terrible experience with mark morton and it was a real shame because i love lamb of god yeah. and i had actually done an interview with him about a week before regarding the sort of how they their preview of kind of uh to what, what would have then been 2014 and then um I got asked to do a piece on the film that they brought out. As the, as the Palace is Burned. Palace is Burned. Mm, incredible and documentary. It's a brilliant yeah. documentary. And um, I was 
chatting to him about it and I think I'd been I'd done the radio that morning and then I was still actually working my job at the mm-hmm. time so I'd done I'd been to a gig the night before and then got back about midnight had to get up at like five to do the radio done the radio gone straight done a whole day like finished the radio at nine o'clock gone straight to my job and done a full day's work finished at six and then I was meant to be calling him at seven so at this point I was absolutely exhausted right? I was so knackered and um I was speaking to him about this um, this documentary, and I sort of said, um, you know, do you feel? And I, I was talking about people outside of metal having a real, like, kind of negative idea of what metal is, and metal fans, and what m- people who like metal do. And obviously, with this stuff that Randy had been through, my point to him was like, is there? I was like, you know, suddenly there's going to be a lot of people who know nothing about metal or know nothing about Lamb of God, but just think, oh, that's the guy from that horrible, crazy, satanic metal band who, you know, killed one of their fans. Like, that might uh, that might be their sole perception of Lamb of God, their only thing they know about them, right? So I sort of went, do you feel that by having this documentary and releasing it to a far wider demographic of people than that you would, usually that Lamb of God would be exposed to. Do you feel like this is a way of you kind of taking that and going, that's everything you need to know about it. We've got it. We've taken it. Here's the whole thing on a plate. Sweep it under the carpet. It's got, and he went, sweep it under the carpet. And I was just, I didn't mean to say sweep it under the carpet. Mm. I meant like, you know, to take it and own it and go, this is what happened, right? Mm. This actually happened. We're not afraid to show it to people. And I went, oh no, not sweep it under the carpet, like, you know, kind of put a full stop, a kind of draw a line under it. Mm. Well, I meant to say draw a line under it. And he went, we're not sweeping it under the carpet. We're not sweeping it under the carpet. We brought a fucking film out like, and got really antsy with him and just didn't want to answer any questions after that. Mm. Got really kind of shitty about it. And then tweeted, idiot UK journalist, just asked me if this, if, if we're trying to sweep the whole incident under the carpet, we've just made a film about it. And my mate, text me and went oh have you seen this tweet from mark morton and and i looked at it and i was like that's me Hmm. and i'd been doing like writing for metal hammer at that point for about six months Hmm. so you know idiot music journalist i only did it for not that long and i'm not saying that's any sort of excuse i don't think what i said was i think what i said was taken completely out of context and i you know to call me a music journalist when everything to do with lamb of god that i'd ever done had been money from my pocket. Yeah, yeah. I'd bought Sacrament. I'd bought um, every, like the fucking concert tickets. I'd bought the Philadelphia DVD. I bought the, the hoodie that I've got. Do you know what I mean? Like that. I was a, I was a fan of yeah. that band. And I mean, he didn't money. know. He didn't no, know he, of course he didn't know yeah. that. But I was like motherfucker. Like how fucking and and I was. But I was like, I cannot believe. <laughs> you've right you've like it was that t- that thing of like when people go like, oh the media they twist out twist your words it's like you're twisting my words you bastard so <laughs> i had a real fucking chip on my shoulder about that but then i actually got asked to interview him again a few months later and he heard it was me on the phone and he was like oh hey how's it going and i said oh hi it's me mark and he was like really kind of grumpy with me so for a long time i was like man i'm just gonna keep the fuck away from mark morton Mm. until it happened this summer and he was actually really nice so i'm hoping that doesn't come across too shitty a thing to say (sighs) i mean you could have done it in half the time but sure (laughs) (laughs) that's why i'm I'm gonna save that matt tuck's the worst one i've got a story about matt tuck fucking hell that guy god what a dickhead but anyway i don't have time to do it (laughs) 
it, no, it's longer. Gonna, it's way longer than the oh, one I've just but told. People are going to be annoyed if you don't do well, it. Well, you know, they're going to have to be annoyed. Well, then, I aren't can they? cut the Mark Morton one, and then you can do the Matt Tuck one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to stay awake somehow. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit harsh. <laughs> I'm very, very tired suddenly. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> Okay, people are going to want to know that. Yeah. Um, I probably can't really tell you the Matt Tuck one anyway, because it's pretty all right. Got, bad? There's no, like, there's no sort of nice comeback for the, the why don't we uh, Why don't we record it after this and then we can uh, charge a thousand pounds to yeah, we can do that. Patreon. We can do that. Um, we could definitely do that. I'd happily charge everyone a thousand pounds just for some shitty little story about, about fucking the worst <laughs> artist in Britain. Um, as I said, I mean, I don't really have any like bad ones. I've been pretty fortunate overall, um, but I have had quite a few where um, getting answers out of them is just blood from a stone kind of thing. Um, and I don't really want to say this because I fucking love them. And I would like to stress that they were both really lovely. They weren't nasty or anything like that. But um, Dustin and Tepe from Thrice, um, I really struggled to get interesting stuff out of them. Might have been down to my questions. I don't think my questions were the best in the world, if I'm totally honest. Um, But um, it felt really, really difficult to the point where I went up to the PR afterwards. I was like, I don't think that went well at all. Did did they say anything? And apparently they didn't. I think it was probably just, I think they're probably just nice, shy dudes and didn't feel like they had a lot lot of people out in bands. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there are loads of people like that. And and there's a ton of bands I could name, like most people in post-rock bands to be honest because because there isn't like a front person in post-rock yeah. bands it's it's um i did sort of uh when i tried to get loads of post-rock onto the in- independent i did start to realize quite early on why people don't interview post-rock bands and it's because for the most part most members of post-rock bands are really lovely but quite boring nerdy guys really mm. um but yes i think uh, i think th- as I, I adore them and I think they're brilliant and I, I wouldn't interview them again but I think um, Dustin and Tepe were very difficult to actually get anything out of yeah. I managed to put an article together somehow but it required a lot of work from me I just made a bunch of stuff up oh good no I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that I didn't do that so, I mean uh, thrice were, said they were going to be touring with Pink Floyd uh, <laughs> and told the darkness to fuck off. Dustin came right in riding a unicorn and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Elliot Holt, Clawfinger, Collapse Lung, Catch, Shag, Marry, Kill. This is oh. an easy one for me. Easy one for me. Absolutely marry Collapse Lung. Absolutely marry Collapse Lung. Okay. Big time. I'd happily spend my the rest of my days in uh, domestic bliss with with the members of Collapse Lung, who are, you know, a funny little funny band with a couple of, like, funny little hilarious songs that I'm into. I'd probably shag... Um, I'd shag I'd, Catch. Well, you're going to get something from... You You might regret shagging Catch when you're <laughs> fucking getting a shot down the local GP. I would shag Clawfinger and I would kill Catch. I think the thing about killing Catch is, is um, you... You're not going to make any debt. You might as well let them live because none knew who they are anyway. You know? There's going to make absolutely no dent whether they live or die. Whereas Clawfinger is a bit like, oh God, really? Do you have to be a thing? But people know who they are. Was it Taiwan or where, where did yeah, they get massive? Yeah. Um, somewhere like that. Somewhere like that. Yeah, I can't remember. In uh, Eastern Asia, yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, I The reason I say shag for Catch is because he's got such a lovely effeminate voice. Um, and if I, if I squint He's also it, got 
like the he's definitely got pubic lice. Oh, how you can tell that from that video and that video? But not from that video. From how they got together, from that video, from that song, from the just general oh, demeanor. You look at it and you point. go, "That is a man who pisses fire." He is <laughs> like you do not want to shag him, mate. Well, you I'd make sure I had plenty him. of protection. Uh... Oh yeah, always. I mean, <laughs> you like those ones from the. Na- you need those condoms from the Naked Gun to not catch any. <laughs> to not catch any. A life-size costume. <laughs> yeah. condoms. I would um... shag Clawfinger. I'd be like, shag the Swedish. <laughs> Bit of Swedish, lovely Swedish. Thing. I think I think I'd kill Collapsed Lung and I'd I'd marry Why? Clawfinger. Just to have a different answer to you. <laughs> it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me to choose between those two. So yeah, I just have to have a different enough. answer to you. I don't really want to marry Clawfinger though. No, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, marry Claps and I'm gonna kill Clawfinger. Okay, fair enough. Just We've had a few movie questions as well, Renfrey. Do you want to answer any movie yeah, questions? Yeah, totally. You and Taylor. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Discuss happily. Happily we'll discuss once upon a time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it. Uh, Can you do it spoiler free? Oh, I do really no, want I to see can't because the ending of it is so just disgustingly offensive can you not do it then okay we can't um i quentin Tarantino is made some really great films absolutely uh, really really great films he's also made some very uh i nearly used the word problematic and i don't mean it in the sense of problem but i mean films that are a bit broken to to say the least so tarantino growing up you know um bbc2 showed pulp fiction uh, when I was like 12 years old or something like that. And I remember taping it on a VHS and like in the middle of the night and making sure my parents didn't see me doing it and all that kind of thing. And it had such a profound effect on me. And I became a massive, massive Tarantino fan mm. and loved him all the way up to, I think Kill Bill Volume 2 was probably the beginning of the, oh dear. Um, the, yeah, I don't rate Kill Bill. Um, volume I, two, no. I, the, the first uh, the first one is phenomenal yeah, but volume yeah. two the 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 main issue with tarantino these days is he needs um he needs an editor over him who oh will actually God. fucking say quentin get rid of that that you don't need that you don't need that you don't need that like watching django unchained django unchained is a brilliant two-hour movie Mm. stretched out to two hours and 50 minutes i believe it is and there's just 50 minutes of crap which doesn't need to be there and it's so frustrating because there's so much excellent stuff in 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 every tarantino film has great stuff in it but discuss once upon a time in america no well but but, but we can't (laughs) i haven't seen it yeah how come you haven't seen it because i've been busy right come sure i mean Look, I've been busy. We're not going to be very busy over January. Why don't we come back to that question? Um, and I promise I will watch it over Christmas okay. break because I really can want to I, see it. Can anyway. I just say, to answer the thing about, what, before you fucking jump down my neck, what I was saying is Quentin Tarantino has made some films that are great, some films that are broken, but always have bits in it. Like Inglorious Bastards, for example, is a, a bit of a fucking slog to say the least. But... Christoph Waltz and the scene with Michael Fassbender in the oh bar. It's God. enough. There's enough yeah. in it for me to go, okay, well, that's really good. I, I'm, I, I'm slightly kinder to Inglourious Bastards than you. It's the last Tarantino film that I enjoyed the whole way through. Okay. Um, I think overall, I just about prefer Django to it. Although I think Django, I want to chop the last half an hour of Django off mm. completely and just get rid of it. His um, cameo in that oh, is a horrendous. A yeah. 
once upon a time in America, I was really quite excited about seeing, as I usually am for, you know, you've got that thing where you just go, oh, Tarantino film. That's an event, and isn't it? Um, uh, I... I the, there's not enough interest in dialogue which is one of the sort of key factors of a Quentin Tarantino film it's a sort of calling card of his obviously isn't it um, I didn't think the I, I, it was, I, there was no, no none of the characters felt rounded or interesting to me and I actually found the ending incredibly distasteful incredibly distasteful coming from Stephen Hill as well yeah wow. I, I didn't like the ending I walked out of it and I thought that is massively unnecessary and I it just it smacked of someone who was just going look how great Hollywood was until people can uh, 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 oh okay let's talk about that in January yeah okay. I, I, I promise I'll see I, it I didn't Christmas like break. it I yeah. didn't like it at all so it's the first time I watched a Tarantino film and I was like I don't think this has any redeeming qualities about it at all what's the best Tarantino film um Pulp Fiction <laughs> Yes, but just to be contrary, I'm going to say Jackie Brown because I think it is oh, as good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, Va let's carry on with this. Adam Valley says uh, we occasionally hear you discuss movies you love, even if we do have to suffer. Stephen's Arnie impression. What? Um, oh, that is no, 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 no. That's, That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. But what are your top three movies? Top three movies. Ever? Man. Ever. Fuck me. It's tough, that, isn't it? Just, just ping that out. Um, Back to the Future 1 and 2 combined are my is my favourite movie. You're not having that as one. Yes, I am, actually, because it essentially counts as one. It is really one. Three is as well. You it's can't like, have a film. You can't have two films. I can't split but them. One, right, one, the one was done one. in 1985 and one was done in 1989. You can't do it. No. What do you mean? That's got nothing to do with it. It's a follow on to the story. A, okay, so if, if I was All right, I'm going to have the... Fast and the Furious one to seven. Well, that's just, <laughs> you really ran with that. I, I'm not going to have that because I don't like it. Would you have Lord of the Rings, the two towers, parts one and two? No, 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 I'd no. I, I, I would. I mean, if if I were doing Kill Bill one and two, if you, if I said my favorite film ever was Kill Bill, but only part one, you'd go, well, that's only half the story, surely. Yeah, but Kill Bill was filmed as one film and then had to be chopped in two. Yeah, but okay, but Back to the Future is literally set at the same time as the first. You one. can have Back to the Future one, lovely. Yeah, can I have Back to the Future two? No, well, you can if you want it as another choice. <laughs> well, that makes it very difficult. Um, okay, well, all right, then I'll pick Back to the Future, which I've never had to make this distinction before. I think it's an appalling thing to make. <laughs> do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think the thing about Back to the Future is is that it is... It, the reason why I think it's the best film ever is because it's actually a really, really... Um, quite a difficult conceptual idea yeah. that is executed perfectly yeah based nearly flaw i'd say nearly flawlessly not completely flawlessly i think in the first one they get as close to flawlessness in terms of time travel and these weird lines that the as any movie ever has because there's always problems with yeah, time travel yeah, yeah, films yeah, yeah. as discussed by richard herring again yes. his opinion basically <laughs> yeah. um, night, but he's right um yeah. <laughs> uh, but back to the future does it so brilliantly and so yeah. perfectly but it also makes it seem really really simple easy to understand yeah i mean yeah. another film that i love memento is an amazing yeah. film yeah right and that goes ping 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 that's very very you couldn't put a kid in front of memento and go oh, do you know what's going on they'd go no no but they all know what's going on in back to the future yeah. it is a really like 
very difficult conceptual idea executed within this lovely beautiful family heartwarming like romp it's I, fucking perfect I, I would the go characters far. are perfect the i would go as far as say it's perfect the it's first so one great perfect yeah and two is amazing the two is fucking amazing as well yeah three i mean the only reason people mug off three if three came out on its own just as a film you'd go oh do you remember that film that was great wasn't it that's a great 80s classic it's better than wild wild west technically came out in 90 but mm. uh it did yeah <laughs> and um but you know you'd, you'd be like oh what a great film that was it was really really good yeah. but because the first two are just peerless mm. everyone goes that ah, third one's rubbish it's third not rubbish no, it's, it's not great. rubbish it's just not as good i'd say it's a five a five and a four well i'm gonna do that at 10 i'd say it's a 10 a 10 and a nine <laughs> Ten to ten and an eight and a half. I don't know why. <laughs> ten and eight and a half. Anyway, that's number one. Whew, this is taking a while. What's, yep, your, what's your favourite? Oh, well, I, I have to put them in order, do I? Well, yeah. If I can't have Battery to two, then yes, you do. Fuck's sake. Um, uh, one of the films. Oh god, Goodfellas. Yeah, it's good. That just um the in again sort of the speaking about pulp fiction earlier just the impact it had on me watching it when i was younger just like oh my god and i th- th- that scene where he's rushing around and the narration like narration in films is often considered like a weak thing to do but i actually fucking love the narration part of um goodfellas and he's rushing around trying to yeah. like, get all the drugs blah 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 blah, blah. there's that amazing one it's a film that like made me look into like cinematography a bit more because there's that one shot where like um it does it isn't cut where they're going into the club oh and yeah, all that yeah kind of thing. it made me adore gangster movies um and it kind of just felt like um i, I think godfather part one and two are amazing as well but it the goodfellas kind of just feels like my generation's godfather you know i just mm. fucking adore it yeah it's very very good indeed very good i think uh the other my sort of two and three I think the Big Lebowski might be one. Oh, fantastic! I yeah, fucking love the Big. It's Lebowski. My favorite Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it's so. It's just you know, I love films with, um, like a, I love a kind of I love an ensemble cast. Mm. I love a big ensemble cast of really weird, wild characters, and there's so many times in the Big Lebowski where you just somebody comes in, you just think oh, this can't get any more kind of madcap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it does. And the Coens are good at that generally, I think. Oh yeah, they're good but, at that generally, but, but it's I think very good particularly in, in, in the Big yeah. Lebowski. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, it's such an odd story, you know. Like, yeah, this is basically someone does a piss on his rug, and he's just—it's just—it's just his quest to get his rust rug back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then and it goes. Like, Where's this guy come from? Yeah. Uh, who is he? Like, it's why like are they doing stoner, that? And yeah. the way it all of uh, yeah, it's really really good, and it's got um, that kind of. Uh, that kind of all those nods back to kind of again classic sort of Hollywood noir um yes stuff yes. is 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 really great and I've never been into those sort of you know Clark Gable Clark Gable and Cary Grant and uh, Humphrey Bogart sort of those yeah those Bogart's born yeah, noir those, yeah, I don't yeah, know about Clark Gable yeah but. I don't know why I said Clark Gable actually no, my mum's lo- yeah. my mum loves Clark Gable but he's more of a sort of jaunty fun yeah he's I mean, I'm not saying he's never done a film noir film, but he's no, done, no, he's no, not I meant Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. I don't know why I said Bogart. Anyway. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I would say yeah, I think that'd be up there. Big Lebowski. Uh, I'm gonna go with Terminator 2: Judgment Day. 
Oh, that's good. Because uh, it's the perfect sequel, just mm. in terms of like taking a concept and and throwing it into something just just oh it's the same idea but it's just just thrown into a totally different world and it's completely bigger and better um and so many sequels just do like everything bigger better and think that it will be better this is one of the few cases where it actually is Mm. better and the terminator is fucking great i love the terminator it's brilliant but terminator 2 is astonishing isn't it and yeah. i just i just love that film so much it's all practical obviously there's this the like the cgi stuff has has aged really well because they didn't try to over exert what they were doing because mm. it's so much easier to make like a guy look liquid metally kind of thing it still actually looks quite good yeah because it, it doesn't does. it doesn't um it doesn't have ideas above its station yeah. um and um I I just love it. Yeah, I just adore that film. It's got Guns N' Roses in it. Lovely yeah, stuff. It is good. It is really good. Uh, there's a few others that I could give another shout. I think Die Hard. Maybe, Don't do shout Maybe do- Die Hard. But no, actually, I'm going to say, because I want to pick something sort of serious. Again, Die Hard feels like a bit of a, like, that would be a fun top three, wouldn't it? Die Hard, yeah. Big Lebowski and, um, and Back to the Future. So I'm going to say The Shining. Oh, yes, please. Uh, the Shining is one of the only films that continues to unsettle me mm. uh, even as a nearly 40 year old man mm. like i think it is really like i went to see doctor um doctor sleep doctor sleep a couple of weeks ago said it was surprisingly is, good it was surprising the last good, half yeah, hour. Yeah. yeah and then the last half an hour they it just reminds you of how great they throw in so much from the shining that you kind of go oh yeah because it could have nearly nearly could have been a completely standalone film halfway through it was doing that that Ghostbusters trick of going, oh, this could just be a film not about ghosts. It could be a film about some guys setting up a business. And that would probably be enough to make it a really, really good film. The first sort of two thirds of Dr. Sleep, I was like, I'd kind of forgotten that he was Danny Torrance. I'd kind of yeah. forgotten that he'd come from that place. And, you know, and, and which in a, in a good way, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, know, you don't want to kind of be bashed over the head with, and then they bashed you over the head with like too much stuff from The Shining, but uh, it was good. But I think The Shining is, there's something about that film, just the way it looks, the whole aura of it. Yeah. Like Jack Nicholson's Brilliant. performance is incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, you, you probably, if you know anything about the making of it, you know what Stanley Kubrick did to Shelley Duvall. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't treat it. wouldn't her fly like now, but no. but what has been left on the screen? I'm yeah. not saying that you, this is justification. Well, I kind of am actually. Um, yeah, fuck it, I am. And apparently, I'm the woman. Maybe. Yeah, but, but no, not the woman. Hey, I think there's just the treat. You know, like if to to get people. You know, like some. Unfortunately, sometimes you do have to be. Uh, this happened to me at drama school. We were fucking. We had, I had to sleep in a fucking field one day when I was at drama school to get into the mindset of the like the the ranters during the the English Civil War. And they were like, go and sleep in a field in just a. And it was fucking snowing out it was horrible i got assaulted by a homeless man and he stole my shoes what in what when when so uh we did a lot of um, we did a lot of uh sort of uh oh fuck what's it called method stuff mm. um and i had to i was playing a beggar so i was told to go out onto the streets of london and um, try begging and i did a terrible terrible job of it because i was like dressed up quite nicely in quite nice clothes and i sat outside the dominion theater where we will rock was 
We Will Rock You was playing at the time and I tried to make friends with this um, homeless guy and sort of pretend that I was homeless as well. And uh, he figured me out pretty quickly, smashed a bottle of, uh, an empty bottle of Smirnoff ice, a Smirnoff vodka over my head and stole my shoes. So what you're saying is Shelley Duval had it easy. <laughs> <laughs> but to go back to my original quite serious point, I do think sometimes uh, if you're a director, I mean, you know, there's health and safety and stuff now, but... You can't argue with it. I mean, surely she looks back on that and goes, that, that is an amazing film. Yeah. Well, the shit you do to me to get me pumped for this podcast is pretty fucking... Yeah. I just get... You have to air drum to Backfoot by Dinosaur Pilot <laughs> <laughs> 12 times and get it right. Get that cymbal crash right every In time. Tears. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that would be mine, The Shining. Um, I talked about The Shining much then, but it is amazing. I'm going to go, I want to go on a music motif. So I'm going to say Amadeus. John, I've never seen that. Ah, mate. I think I should. Well, look, the, (laughs) my uncle showed me this film when I was about 10 years old and was like, I'm going to put on a three hour biopic about Mozart. And I was a polite young man, boy, boy. uh, And so I didn't complain. But the idea of showing me a three hour epic on Mozart at 10 years old was not something that I thought I'd be interested in at all. And I was absolutely riveted because it's basically like it is about Mozart, but it's actually more about Salieri and his kind of hatred of Mozart and the fact that he gets it's more about kind of jealousy, really. Um, And three hours flew by um and then i didn't watch it for years and years and years and then when i got a dvd player um i bought the director's cut and watched it again and not only was it as good as i remembered it i think it was actually better than i remembered it um and it it is just an absolute masterpiece and so much uh funnier uh so much less dry than you would imagine a three hour film about Mozart to be. Mm. Um, I can't, I don't imagine it's that historically accurate to be honest, Um, but it is an incredible piece of work. It's fucking brilliant. Mm. There we go. Good. Tom James, what is your favorite album artwork? That's a good question, isn't it? Very good question. I can't actually think of any that I absolutely would consider to be my favourite, favourite. I like Roots by Sepulchre. And I mentioned it earlier at the very, very start of the podcast. I love the Roots artwork. Can I go for the Bross Christmas box? You can go for the Bross Christmas <laughs> box set. Yes, of course. Uh, no, that's a shit answer. Um, fucking hell. Fuck it, I don't mention them enough. I, I I, guess it's because I grew up with this album and I just adore seeing the cover and maybe it, like, it's the sort of memories that it brings back to me. But the, I fucking love the Use Your Illusion artwork. Yeah, It's so weird and strange and I don't really understand what's going on in it. And it's, it's yeah, I, I, I really like the Use Your Illusion al- uh, artwork. Um, Axel ended up paying something like, Oh, this isn't the figure, but something like thirty-six thousand dollars for it, and they found out later that they could have just got it for free. Oh. Nineteen ninety-one. <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, I'd shout out any kind of um, John Baisley. Yeah, like, I mean, like I immediately Baroness, thought of John Baisley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think the Jane Doe artwork has become iconic. Yep. Um, 
Uh, I was thinking lateralis, actually. I mean, I you know, once yeah. you take the cover off, like, and flip it open and stuff, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, There's quite a lot of good ones, to be honest, that we're definitely not... Um, yeah. Mother Blood by Grave Pleasures is a recent one. That mm-hmm. weird... Fuck, and that felt like a real kind of throwback to, um, you know, that, that kind of oil-painted, sort of odd-looking Roxy Music style album covers and stuff is it's good i like that um ewan taylor asks ewan taylor asked we didn't answer his question because he asked quite a few he asked about once upon a time in hollywood my question is system of down get a lot of abuse without putting out new music but there are other bands who do this emperor and curb dog are two examples but they don't get any abuse for it why do you think it is is it about openness if system of down categorically said we aren't going to release any more new music you can come and see us live or not would that make it okay no not for me well, isn't it, um, it about isn't though. it about size of the band as well? Because Curb Dog aren't going to be. I'm sorry to say, Steve. Curb Dog aren't going to be headlining Download anytime soon. No, that is the fucking tragedy. <laughs> no, and actually, and, Curb and, Dog and did, neither are Emperor. Um, I mean, Curb Emperor, Dog did actually release a new single. Did they? A couple of years ago. Yeah, I missed that. Which is a really, really fucking great song as well. I forgot what it's called off the top of my head. I've not listened to it for a while, but I was like, ah. It's, Came back really good, really well, good. Was that when they sort of came back for those shows? There was one, yeah, the congregation and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, album cool. and stuff like it. Good song. So you know, and they turn up and then they go and they turn up and they get and they've got you know yeah, it's, a, a lot of it is about size. Like not Curb are going to ask you to pay fucking hundred pound to go and see them. Um, so there's that. I think Emperor is a, you know an interesting um, band to bring up, but then Ishan is doing you know if if. If White Zombie got back together for mm. some shows, mm. no one would go, well, we need a new White Zombie album. They'd just go, well, Rob Zombie's going to release an album soon. Yeah. So Ishan's releasing new music. Although I think that's different because I think Rob Zombie stuff is far closer to White Zombie stuff. Ishan's gone off in all sorts of Well, things. Ishan and... Yeah, okay, but if you look at... <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you look at what Rob, what Rob Zombie and White Zombie have done throughout their entire career and you look at where... If you look at where Emperor started and then where, where Emperor finished, like, that is quite a big gap yeah. as well. So yeah, yeah, it feels like totally. a fairly natural pro- yeah. progression yeah, yeah, yeah. of what Ishan's doing. Yes. So Ishan's continuing to do that. I mean, we've had some Serge Tankian solo material. Elect the Dead was fucking great. Uh, we've had a couple of Scars on Broadway albums. I still love the debut. Uh, are any of them as good as System of a Down? Uh, I would say not even No, close. but personally, those two that I've mentioned, I, I think are not far yeah. off either. I also think, honest. you know, most people aren't as aware of Serge's solo material or Scars on Broadway as they are, um, nah. System of a Down, as opposed to people who like Emperor probably listen to Ishan. Yeah. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I think... saw Scars on Broadway at the Underworld. Did you? Wow. Mm, that was their first yeah. UK show, the right? first ever UK show, yeah. 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 Um, that was incredible. I think the third and final, and for me, the most important thing about this is that um, System of a Down are a band, and I think I've said this a whole bunch of times, I absolutely stand by it, are a band who are supposed to mean something, who are supposed to have been different to the usual, um, the kind of standard rock cliche and trope. Now, one when you get Kiss and Motley Crue and those kind of bands reforming for money, right? Mm. That's what you expect of those bands. Mm. You know, we didn't kind of go down hard on Motley Crue when they reformed because we were like, they're Motley Crue. They're hats. Yeah, that's what, like, doing, that's yeah. what they're going to do. System of a Down at the drive-in refused Rage Against the Machine. They set themselves up as bands with 
more a integrity. moral compass and more yeah. integrity and a different, you know, uh, who who were there to go, you know, who were deliberately going out of their way to go, the music industry should not be like this. Mm. You know, mm. the world should not be like this. We are, you know, moral arbiters of a, and we are to be held to higher standards than those bands. We are better than those bands. We are better people than those bands. We are better artists than those bands. They said that themselves. They came out and said that. They acted in that way. They started and they they, they behaved that way. They, they specifically say they things? set themselves. Yeah, of course they did. Yep. They're the four that have reformed. That for me, all of them have slightly compromised what they were. I mean, out of driving massively, refused. Not, I don't want to say massively, but but more than I would like. Certainly, mm-hmm. a lot more than I would like. Um, Rage Against the Machine are getting to the point now where I'm like. You know, shit will get off the pot, mm-hmm. and you know, just I would rather not have Resident Machine than think of them as some sort of, you know, Vegas tribute karaoke thing, and that is what System of a Down are now. They turn up and they play the hits, and they can't even be bothered to look like they want to play the hits at some at most of that. I just want to feel like you know, I would like to think System of a Down are better than that i would like to think they look at videos of their download performances and go we we, we're ashamed of that they Mm. should be ashamed of it Mm. yeah so that's why yeah yeah fine you got anything to add to that not really no No. well okay the only thing i would say is i think i think system and rage get more of that kind of thing because they are the size of kind of um big festival headline down i mean i mean a headline is i mean when we when we that conversation usually comes up when they are booked to do download nine times out of ten isn't it and and the conversation revolves around to that because it's like okay there's this big headliner playing um the biggest rock metal festival in the uk and they haven't released new material for what is it 13 14 years Mm. something like that so that's when that conversation usually comes up yeah that's true but i think you know it's it's fair it's surely you know i i don't feel like i'm holding them to these impossible standards mm. uh joseph who's got a really weird at at twitter said how do you handle being in the music media in regards to constantly keeping up with new music trends news developments etc is it overwhelming or do you somehow manage to take it in your stride <laughs> and actually the next person along who's called jacob Harmon says does being asked to listen to music as a profession take the fun out of listening to music um sometimes um i think it depends how it does when i know as soon as we finish this i've got to listen to that five finger death punch up <laughs> <laughs> it, it does it does it, it it's a bit of a weird one you have to kind of keep reminding yourself that like you're in a very lucky position and um what we do is um uh, very envious to thousands and thousands of people around the world so you have to kind of remind yourself of that but there is definitely a weird double-edged sword to it where um especially when it gets really busy i found the last few months for example and it's always the case september to november um where you feel like you don't have any time whatsoever to listen to what you actually want to listen to Mm. because you're so busy listening to stuff to review or anything like that um it has got um worse (laughs) since we've been doing riot act um and since i've been reviewing more stuff um, because you know at the end of the day you, you listen to 
it weirdly you listen to albums in a slightly different way to to how you would um if you were just someone buying it because when you listen to a record you you go right well i need to come up with stuff to say about this and sometimes you just enjoy records and that they're just great and there's no particular rhyme or reason as to why you find them fantastic like um in my top 20 recently i struggled to say loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff about the microwave record or the brutus record for example um i did my best but i I, but i didn't you know those those entries were far shorter than other ones because at the end of the day i just love those records because i just think they're great and they've stuck with me and i think they're awesome but um you know sometimes there isn't an awful lot to say about a record apart from i think it's fantastic i think dinosaur pile up was kind of one for you we sort of both said it with menzingers as well i mean the menzingers new menzingers album it is fucking brilliant but it is just another great menzingers record yeah um so very personal about music like that i feel like i mean someone sent to me on twitter they were like oh because i was sort of bemoaning how metal hadn't really progressed and i was like and they went well the menzingers haven't done anything new have they and i was like no but that's different isn't it because i feel like the menzingers really they they're not really about musical progression it's you know it's about the the kind of their own personality and their whole and i you know i'm not looking great songwriters as well i'm not looking to the menzingers to innovate no i just want them to write great songs that that resonate with tell me it's like getting a postcard from a close friend who you know you haven't seen for years who's moved abroad or something Mm. and you go oh i wonder what they've been doing and then you find out what they've been doing that's sort of the joy of the menzingers and you know they they write those songs they're so kind of you know they paint such great pictures with the songs they write and and you know this is another thing you know metal's not a a songwriting genre really is it no important thing about metal is not always oh what a very it was a great you know like there is great songwriters in metal don't get me wrong but that's not the integral thing about you know for me metal should always be about you know being kind of vibrant and fast and you know rhythmically exciting and and i you know i don't think you and and angry and kind of furious and the the sort of makes you want to crush a can and and that's not normally what you think of when you think of good songwriting do you know what i mean so no i mean innovation and good songwriting are not necessarily always hand in hand sometimes they are but they're not always um you know and 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 there are plenty of genres you know i mean i I was saying earlier that i've been listening to a lot of singer songwriter folky kind of stuff this year and there's not been any major innovations in folk and singer songwriter stuff really Mm. in the last 10 15 years you could argue Bonavere maybe but even then like you know there's not been an awful lot but it doesn't really matter it's the it's because it's I suppose I suppose metal's a relatively young genre in the grand scheme of things it's 50 years old but you know so there still feels like a need to innovate in it although that Mm. you know people are starting to feel like that everything doesn't yeah yeah that it doesn't and that's and why you look at sort of hip-hop and, and electronic music which is even younger yeah and exactly. they still do have places where they can go and i'm sure these things will eventually plateau out a little well bit, this but. is a th- i think a lot of the time when people talk about the death knell of rock music or um metal music or whatever they're not considering that the fact that those genres are younger and yes they probably are still innovating i know less about that than you i mean i, I they are i think they are the, i think the clipping record is quite a good example of that yeah. um and they are doing innovating stuff innovative stuff still um and maybe metal is beginning to peter out with that bar the odd exception here and there yeah um yeah i don't know a zealand or a, a carbon maybe or whatever but 
you know, that's that's how it goes. That doesn't necessarily mean that the genre is dead because, you know, folk music ain't dead, is it? No. So. I, but I mean, for me, in terms of is it still enjoyable to listen to music? I mean, I still, I, I, I never stop enjoying listening to music. I will always make a point of listening to an album that I am already familiar with that I love at some point, a couple, you know, at some point during the day. Every day. Every day. Every day. I need to yeah. do that. <laughs> I think, I think you know, like, um, I've, I mean, this is a conversation you and I had where you were not freaking out, but you were like going, I, there's so much stuff that I've missed and I've realised how much I've missed and we've missed so much stuff. And I was like, well, we're two people. We're not a magazine. We're two people. Yeah, we're yeah. going to miss it. No, I haven't listened to the Moontooth album. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't listened to the Moontooth album. I'm really we keep, we I, keep getting somewhere. I can't I'm sorry. Oh, is it Blaney, James Blaney? Yeah, I'm really we sorry. Keep, I haven't. We're sorry, guy. But we will we're like we'll, we'll try and check it out. A lot of it depends like, on when you see it. Like for me, when these recommended and I tried to do this, I mean, you know, someone recommended clipping and I yeah, went, Oh, I'll yeah, listen to that. Yeah. And it's just because I was walking along, not doing anything. I was yeah. coming out of Ikea yeah. and someone, and I saw on my phone, someone go, you should listen to Clipping. And I went, oh, all right, I will. And if I see it then, I'll listen to it. But if I'm yeah. at work and I see it and I go, oh, you want me to listen to some, to some you know, or can you listen to the Blood Incantation album? And I'm at work. Yeah, it's not uh, going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen yeah. right yeah. then and there. Yeah. And then you forget about it. So, you know, I was a bit like, listen, just accept that we're not going to get everything. No. I think this is the thing is that the pressure from before, from various outlets that you and i maybe me more so than you have had done that sort of forced people forced us to try and say to people hey we are an oracle we've heard everything we know everything about music and i think actually i don't i don't you know i can't how can i i don't know everything about music this show is very very broad and Mm. i think you know i'm i am always going to be very honest about you know when I haven't heard something or when mm. I'm not a massive fan of something like, you know, people would probably expect me to be a massive fan of, uh, Sunday real estate. Like we talked about Sunday real estate and I turned around and went, I didn't hear Sunday real estate till I was 20, you know, like properly, really properly. I didn't hear their entire back catalog until I was about 26. Mm. Like I didn't really know anything about them. I didn't, you know, there's, and there's a lot of bands that people would probably expect you know both of us to be really massive fans of and it's easy to kind of blag it now to just you know, like go oh i've heard that song and i've heard that song and you know and actually you haven't yeah like you know i heard sugar before i heard husker do yeah and yeah. i am you know to me they're the first bob molds yeah, thing yeah, yeah that yeah, i heard yeah, yeah. i'm not i i like i do like husker like especially now i really like husker do but i never grew up listening to husker do yeah. i didn't and um, I didn't either. and I think you know you just got to accept that you do not you will not and you cannot know everything about every different type of music and I think it makes it a lot easier to I get a bit stressed out and I think oh god I've not heard anything new that I really like and that's really sort of grabbed onto me that because I want to get new stuff and stuff that's just coming out and bring it onto the show and go there you go like her name is Kala where we can go fucking listen to you need to listen to this band you have to like that's a great thing but you can't, you can't fake it. You can't, you know, I, I think maybe one of the reasons why the show isn't maybe as big as we want it to be is just because this type of music isn't as big as it, you know, you have to go by 
what is going on in the scene at the moment. Mm. And you have to be honest about where you see the kind of strengths and weaknesses of what is happening in the scene. And I think as a general overview of what's going on in alternative music, I think we do a pretty fucking good job for the most part. Yeah. Um, but we are not ever going to get every single record. We're not. And I, I think once you come to terms with that, once you accept that, yeah, that, you know, that you're not this fucking like Oracle of, of fountain of knowledge of knowing every single album that's ever been released, then mm. the better because no one is, no matter how much they tell you they are, mm. they are not. Mm. Every fucking music journalist out there who tells you that they have heard every record and they know everything, they trust me, they haven't. They I absolutely think we haven't. I think we're pretty honest about that. I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. This shit, there's there's more music being released now than there ever has been because it's easier to people can record in their bedrooms now and record like really good sounding records and um the tools in order to do it are so much more accessible than they ever used to be and um that's a wonderful thing that's an incredible thing but um as a result (laughs) there is more music than there ever has been and uh, getting it to all is uh, a constant source of difficulty for me but yeah do you want a couple more this is a good one on uh tony pepperoni opinions on ocean size you're new around here aren't you bloody hell yeah come on like that's rimfrey's favorite band in the world they're my favorite well they've said they're my favorite british band of all time i fucking adore uh ocean size so yeah yeah. and i played i gave you efflores which is their debut album in trade-off and you liked it very very Uh, much it's good yeah it's good i still haven't probably again see this is another thing i still haven't listened to any other ocean size albums I'll give sorry. you one in the new year. Yeah, well, I will do. But, you know, eventually you try and get around to stuff. Um, I'd like to answer this one, if you don't mind, Renfrey. Mm-hmm. Michael Guy Perry, Steve, any desire to go back to stand-up? I finally gave it a go at the weekend after thinking about it for years on and off, and I loved it. Without blowing too much smoke up your ass, there's never enough smoke up my ass. You are <laughs> definitely an inspiration. Oh, God. Um, well, I'm sorry about that, because it is a world of hell that you're about to enter into. I actually went, the only reason I brought this up, like, no, I have absolutely no desire to do stand-up ever again it's really fucking hard and um maybe i just wasn't that good at it um but also (laughs) you're very shouty from what i recall yeah really quite shouty yeah but hey that was the the thing back in the the noughties wasn't it and um i don't have time and i actually went to my mate who i did a, a couple of edinburgh shows with a few years back i went to his book launch the other day and i bumped into a load of people i used to stand up with and a lot of them are still doing it and they just you just lose enthusiasm for it it's a very 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 difficult industry to break into um when i started there was no thinking about it now there's there was no stand up on tv there was no mock the week there was no mm. you know the, the stand-up comedy just wasn't really on tv and now it's fucking everywhere and i think people have looked at it and gone ah you can get famous quickly by doing that and it's very 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 difficult so it's a very lonely profession yeah you're on the road on your own quite a lot um and um uh edinburgh which is kind of sort of seen as the uh something which you're very much pressured to do every year even you know i don't think it's essential but you're very much pressured you will lose tens of thousands of pounds every year of doing a show, most likely, unless you're incredibly lucky. Mm. Right, I think I'm going to make this the last one. Chris Meller. A shit ton of bands have called it a day over the last couple of years. Arcane Roots, Bad Signs, Statues, Feed the Rhino, Zokes, In Dynamics, Ghouls, to name a few. Which band split were you most gutted about? I'm going to take this as the decade, from this decade, Rimfrey, most gutted about the split of. I think the obvious one would be Let Live. 
mm. would be pretty obvious. I mean, I was pretty fucked off that Let Live split up off the back of a great record. Um, we didn't even get any headline shows off the back of that record. And no, that was such a shame. That was a real shitter. They played at Brixton Academy with um, Pierce the Veil, Pierce the Veil, and Creeper, and they were incredible. Yeah, incredible. which I stupidly didn't go to because I was like, yeah. I'd rather wait till they come back and headline. Yeah, they were amazing. Idiot. They were amazing. Um, so Let Live is an obvious, I would say, the one, really. Um, Let Live is a very good shout. Uh, two sprang to mind. Um, we've just mentioned them, Ocean Size. I think split up in 2010, so I think I can just about have it. Yep. Um, but Ocean Size splitting up, I remember being in floods of tears. I was really, really upset about that. That sucked ass because i think they are one of the most unique interesting bands in the world um and um i'm also going to shout out arcane roots mm-hmm. i was fucking gutted because i mean i know those guys and um i think they had really just started to garner um attention and um people were beginning i felt, felt like for years and years and years people didn't really take arcane roots seriously and i never really understood why but I think with Melancholy Hymns, they it felt like that p- people were going, oh my God, this band yeah, actually yeah, do yeah. have something, <clears throat> you know. Uh, and um, yeah, that came out and then they split up. I mean, mm. colour, I suppose. You could say as well, well, I was going to say that would be one. Having to sort of just find this band's album, it'd be like so amazing. And yeah. then go, oh, they just split up. And you're like, what? Yeah. That I was, was always gutted about. That was a real shit of that, yeah. I was always gutted about the JCQ. Yeah. Well, from that time, I mean... For me, the one from that time is Heights. Yeah. Dead Ends by Heights is such a fucking rip-roaring, brilliant debut record. Mm. And then, obviously, Tom left. Monty was on bass and then took over as a front man. They released not as good a follow-up. And it just all petered out. But there was a little period where Heights were this amazing... British Wilhaven with sort of New York hardcore energy to them. And they were young and, and Dean, their guitarist obviously now is plays guitar in the rattlesnakes, Frank Hart and the rattlesnakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's done pretty well for himself and which is great to see, but yeah, I, I really, I was like, Oh man, not heights, but that was, that was sometimes bands just like let live split up. And you were like, what are you doing? You look mm-hmm. at her name is Caller and then you go, Oh, they've split up and they've just released this record. And you're like, what? Whereas with, heights it was like this slow there, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. you're getting worse and worse, and like people are becoming less interested and yeah it was sad to see that it was a shame real real shame that along the same lines i'm gonna throw in heck yeah really yeah. sad to see heck split up a bummer, that, wasn't it? um i'm gonna chuck a new one in just because um they are splitting up next year but it hasn't actually happened yet me without you I'm really gutted that me without you are splitting up next year. They're doing shows and stuff like that, but um, that is shit news. Yeah, that me without you. All right. Well, I think we've done enough. We've done over two hours and thirty minutes. So well, I, I think, think that's, that's enough. definitely enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. never ask us anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening. Go to musicism.net for your courses, and you can get some money off with the code Riot in capitals in the check.